On this episode of Comics and Cinema, Alex and his brother Stevie talk about the top 50 movies of the decade. Buckle up. Hey everybody and welcome to a very special episode of Comics and Cinema and I'm your host Alex Klein joined by my special guest host Stephen Klein. Stevie, how you doing? Great. Great. Good to be back. Oh Munched yeah. Munched on some popcorn here in the from the Pasadena Popper. Yeah, guys, we have to give you a little bit of background. I just tweeted a photo out, but um, we just finished recording our Skywalker Saga podcast. And uh, I realized something was missing, but very fitting that during our top movies of the decade, we'd pop some popcorn on my Pasadena popper. Shout out to Tracy Holsey for hooking me up when I bought this house. Uh, so we uh, heated up some popcorn. We've got it sitting in our Rise of the Skywalker tin, and we are ready to get going. So Stevie and I have spent the last 10 years culminating and curating a list of uh, the best movies of the decade. And... Um, you know, in reality, this has only been going on for, uh, you know, you could probably say a couple of years, but definitely over the last few months, we, we really hammered in on this list. And uh, I want to preface it with this. I hope Stevie followed the uh, the format for this, which is, this is not necessarily, and I said this on the Star Wars podcast, this is not a definitive list. This list could change tomorrow. We Our minds are very fickle. I got to tell you, this was really, really hard for me. I've got nines sitting above tens in this list. I have tens at the bottom, nines up towards the top. This is a list of our favorite movies of the decade. Some of these movies, you may think, this is not a good movie. That's fine. That's your opinion because these are our favorites. They're not what we think are the best. They're just what we think are the best, if you know what I mean. So uh, feel free to agree or disagree with us, but I hope you enjoy the ride because we've got a lot to discuss. Uh, what we're going to do is we will just um, – I'm trying to think. Maybe we could just do like a – we'll do a back and forth like what we did with Star Wars. And so you'll say what your number 50 is and then talk a little bit about why that's your number 50, and then I'll do the same if that movie – is one of our um one of ours uh we can chime in we can also chime in if it isn't one of ours you know to give our thoughts on it but um if it isn't we'll just say like yep that was my number 33 movie that sort of thing and, and touch on it as it's going but that's kind of how we're doing and so as as a guest to the show stevie i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go first i first off wow. i gotta say i'm really excited to see and hear your list i have no idea what it is i know there's a there's some i know i think that's pretty obvious um what's going to be on there mm -hmm. but uh for towards the bottom i'm really curious about because um yeah so we'll uh, we'll get started i'm sure we're gonna have some overlap i think that's inevitable with 50 movies but right i think there's gonna be probably some surprises from both of us okay i think i think you're right and i'm ready to oh. so this popcorn is very good so oh yeah i'm munching away if there's any you know apologize for any crunching sounds but I told Alex a little bit of ASMR mixed in here for your pleasure. And I still don't know what that means, except that I think people like hearing sounds of... Uh... It's, it's weird. It's a strange subculture on the internet that we've unwittingly forced ourselves into with this podcast oh, here. Great. We're being shoehorned. Okay. Well, all right, Stevie, number 50. Okay, number 50. And as Alex said, yeah, this is a... It's a tough list to put together. And the 50 spot in particular is like... I mean, that's the one where I'm... It's a revolving door almost. Right. Because you watch I'm like, one and uh, something else could get in there, you know, this week. Who knows? Uh, but right now, the way I have it, my number 50 is Silver Linings Playbook. Ooh, okay. It's from 2012. This is the movie with Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. 
I used to Oscar winner, I believe. Yeah, I think there were a few Oscars thrown in there. I think Jennifer Lawrence won Best Actress. Um, I used to not like her, and I think part of what made me not like her was just the clip they chose for the Oscars when they gave it to her. Was like her freaking out in the diner, which I think is probably oh, all right. the weakest acting in the movie from her. But she does a great job. Bradley Cooper does a great job. It's a cool movie about um, about a divorcee who's going through some stuff mentally. Uh, just a, you know, there's a cool family dynamic going on. His dad is Robert De Niro, um, and this is one of those rare movies that uh, culminates in a dance sequence, which I think is a funny. I always thought it'd be funny to make a list of all the great movies that have a climactic dance, because there's a Guardians lot of Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Or uh, Napoleon Dynamite is another one that yeah. comes to mind. Uh, Flash Dance, maybe. Or... Yeah, I've, I mean, I obviously am not experts. We're not experts on the dance movies, but this is one of the ones that you I could think argue, is really good. Uh, Phantom Menace and probably New Hope. <laughs> in a, in a, a sense, some celebration there. Sure, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and I I wanted to put this on there particularly because. Um, the director, who is David O. Russell, he's he's made a lot of great movies this decade too. And this uh, is it his best? I don't know. Uh, you know, he also did American Hustle. He did. I'm trying to think. Oh, he did Joy, which I really love. Joy. Yeah, you really too. love Joy. Um, but I think Silver Linings Playbook is kind of, you know, it's the big winner from him. It's the feel good movie, and I really enjoyed it. I think more the second time I went back and watched it than before. Chris Tucker. That's right. One of maybe ten movies that Chris Tucker's been in. You know, it's um, funny. I just randomly, and this is gonna, guys, just buckle up. You may need to pause multiple times during this podcast because I have a feeling this is gonna go really long. And that's, I, I'm fine with that. But with Joy, I remember we were going to see Joy at the movie theater, and Cameron was coming out that same day. And you remember we saw like a late night showing of Joy, like like got out at like nine thirty, and then I drove to the airport to pick him up. And I remember you just being like, "Wow, I love that movie." Then I was like, that was all right. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed Joy. Ooh. But yeah, Silver Linings Playbook is number 50. My number 50 is Kubo and the Two Strings, which is a, uh, that's a Leica movie by uh, Travis Knight Travis Knight with uh, Charlize Theron, Matthew McConaughey, Art Parkinson plays Kubo. It's an animated stop motion movie like Coraline that... Uh, it's kind of, I guess, this decade's Coraline for me because, and I, I've watched it a couple times. I saw it twice in theaters. I just love this movie for the animation and the the emotions that it was able to give with those animations. There's a couple of really scary scenes with those witch sisters mm-hmm. that were really creepy. But then, not, you know, any time that he played his guitar and you know, things came to life, that was super cool. I just I I love Asian culture and so to have an anime movie about that sort of stuff I thought was really cool and I just I that's why it's on there. So I, well, there's I, plenty I, of anime movies out there. I I really like this movie too though. Um, I think part of it is because it seems like a lot of animated movies that are in theaters nowadays are you know sequels or remakes or whatever. Clunky plot basically. Yeah, Clunky and plot. I feel like you know in a sense there's not as much imagination put into some of those, but this one is you know super imaginative super fantastical i don't know if it's based on maybe some I think other be. book or something but yeah really cool movie not on my list but definitely loved it silver lining is also not on my list um 49 for me is the big short oh is that on your list you know no okay well big short probably everyone's seen this one it's about the uh, market crash in 08 this is adam mckay making somewhat of a shift to serious filmmaking 
but still has a lot of the sense of humor that he's always brought to his movies. Um, obviously, great performances here from you know Brad Pitt, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. Oh yeah, uh, Christian Bale is oh yeah you know, big too. Uh, a lot great of big soundtrack. Names. Yeah, it's just you know this is a you know really great paced movie. It's obviously been emulated already. You've got you know Adam McKay did it again or tried to do it again with Vice. I think the new Bombshell movie is kind of yep. trying to hustlers. Yeah, it's just a, it's a cool you know approach to the topics like this where it you know it makes it fun you know kind of explains things which i realize some might think is heavy-handed but i think it makes it you know very entertaining and yeah the big short is i mean it's tough subject to think about um you know especially thinking of all the consequences for different people but the movie's a great great movie to watch it felt like a big culmination for me when i saw that because we saw that when harry and, and the cousins were out we saw that at christmas and uh when I was in school, in high school, Miss Jaron's class, she had gone over a lot of stuff in terms of the stock market crash and the, the 08 crisis, and so we had learned a lot about that in class and actually watched a couple of movies and specials. Like, uh, there was a, uh, what was it? It was a, like a documentary called Greed or something like, the Greed is Good, something, whatever it was. But it was like, this was like the culmination, because it was like, not only does this kind of explain to you what happened but it's funny and it's also badass. Like it was a really good movie, and yeah. So I, I not on my list, but just because again we've got a billion million movies. But but I love that movie. I thought it was great. Uh, my number forty nine is a dual movie, um, and I saw. I think Stevie's got it on his list at some point as well. But it's twenty two and twenty one Jump Street. It's dual. You're doing a dual. Yeah, because they're basically. I I'd, I'd say that's the same movie. So, um, but I picked twenty two Jump Street as the representative for the two films. So you like that one better. I like them both equally, though I think if you had a gun to my head, maybe I would say that I like it better. But I like it better because it's one of the very rare comedy sequels that is incredible. Where you got 21 Jump Street, which was by itself a hilarious, unexpected movie. And that was right during... I mean, they they, they played their hand perfectly because it was right at that time where the sequ- the remake was really making a comeback. And every Tom, Dick, and Harry was making a remake of a board game or a video game or um, or an old TV show. And so then 21 Jump Street came along and it was like, okay, yep, here comes another remake. And uh, we went and saw that and just could not stop laughing. That's I just I vividly remember in that movie just dying the whole time. And even on every rewatch, it's just so funny. Everything with Ice Cube and um, obviously everything with the two main characters, Jonah Hill and... Uh, I was going to say Chadwick Boseman. Uh, <laughs> Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. But when they announced the sequel, I was very excited for it just because I was like, because they specifically say in that movie in 21, like the whole, you know, you're going to take a case. That's an old case. This is a remake. Yeah, so what is this? Something, you, you guys are going to college. And Jonah Hill's like, all right. Channing Tatum's like, no. No. And then, um, and so, yeah. And so then in the second movie, they're basically like, we're doing a remake of the remake in the movie, and they somehow were able to make even that funny. Yeah, and I mean a lot of good meta humor. So much dreading both the you know the fact that they're rebooting Twenty One Jump Street, but also in the sequel, the fact that they're making a sequel to the reboot, and then all the little sequel t- uh, trailer whatevers, the the posters that were at the end of the movie for right. like Twenty Three Jump Street and all that. That was so good. I I prefer the first one. I have Twenty One Jump Street. It's actually, it's my number forty seven, so I'd be hitting it here in a second, but. Yeah, I agree that these movies are really funny. Caught me by surprise. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially to see Jonah, or not Jonah Hill, but Channing Tatum in a comedic role, because I don't think he had done much of that at all. No. 
and you know the chemistry between him and Jonah Hill was great. Speaking of which, that's probably my favorite line from that from that episode from the first one. So, uh, so what uh what do you uh, learn about COVID Kovalev Bonds? What tell you about Bonds at this school? And then in the in the second one was the my name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. That's and probably one of the you know memes of the decade if we had to go into that conversation. Ooh, we doing a meme? No, I think it'd be in there though. <laughs> For sure. Okay. Yeah, loved those. Loved both of them. So that was your forty nine. Okay. So you're probably what, 48? 48. Um, so this is going to be the second Ryan Gosling movie. Ooh. And the first Terrence Malick movie. There's going to be a few of those. Ooh. This is uh, Song to Song. Ooh. This movie was not received well critically. I really like the sort of freeform, impressionistic Malick that we've gotten over the, really in this decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when he's not really tethered to any story and just kind of explores different, you know, areas and stuff. He... He has so many great shots of nature that appear in all of his movies, but this one has a lot of great water shots. Um, just, I mean, the way he uses light in a lot of these scenes is really good. Um, the performances are great, if you could even call him that. It's like he's making a two-and-a-half-hour moving painting, basically. Right. I mean, no the, cameos, the cameos in this movie are really funny. You have you know Val Kilmer talking about I uh, something like, I bought some plutonium... I keep it at my mom's house or something. But so the movie, if you don't know anything about it, it's sort of a movie about a love triangle set in uh, Austin and the Austin music scene with South by Southwest or whatever. Um, you've got Ryan Gosling and uh, Michael Fassbender, the two sort of men competing for uh, Rooney Mara. So Ryan Gosling and Rooney Mara are musicians and... Michael Fassbender is sort of a producer guy who's just really wealthy. And then Natalie Portman gets involved at some point. That's the cool thing about Malick movies. If you don't watch them, you know, actors just kind of pop in and out, especially in, you know, the movies he's made this decade. And yeah. I don't know. It's It takes a certain mindset to enjoy his movies and a certain mood to, you know, at any given time. You can't just put one on. But I really, I just rewatched it to make sure that it belonged on my list, and it absolutely does. Uh, I'm just a big fan of Malick. So we just saw a Malick movie yesterday. That's right, Hidden Life. Hidden Life, very good movie. I give it an eight. I give it a nine. It doesn't crack this list for me, but um, another fantastic. And I mean, you talk about the nature shots. Oh man, you ever want to see the? Uh, I don't think anybody shoots nature the way he does. They, I mean, that's all all Austrian countryside and German the fog. Country. All the oh. shots of fog are just incredible. Wasn't there a scene where they're like going into the fog and? Just a long shot. Oh, it's just beautiful. Okay. Chewing on my popcorn. All right, my number 48, The Other Guys. Wow. I have this on my list. It is significantly higher. Wow. This is 23 for me. Wow. That's awesome. I love Other Guys, though. Yeah, and like I said, guys, I just... To me, these movies are on this list. Like, I hate being tethered to a number. I hate it so much it hurts my head. I love every single movie that's on this list. So, like, just because this movie's number 48, it, it very well... it If I wasn't doing something else, you know, it could have been number 23 on my list. It's just... It's kind of how the cookie crumbles during whatever time I'm making these lists. But it needs to be talked about, obviously. It's another Adam McKay movie mm-hmm. with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg and Derek Jeter. Um, you shot Derek Jeter. He's a biracial angel. Um, that movie, that was during... That was when we were in college, and... Will Ferrell movies have always been incredibly quotable, 
but that movie just took things to a whole nother level because it was him being a serious person in a funny role versus most of his roles where he's just a funny man mm-hmm. or, or a dummy. And in this one, he's like the smart guy, but he's played off for laughs. Is just so great. And his chemistry with Mark Wahlberg, is it was unheard of. I just remember I was like, wow, I did not expect them to work. And they just killed it. And then everything with Michael Keaton was just so great. Hey, hey. We, I got, I got two jobs. I'm doing this, and I'm working nights at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> and uh, what is it? Don't go chasing waterfalls. And they're like, is that a little bit of TLC? I always got a little little big river band in my car. Everything, yeah, the movie is hilarious. I got six discs of this. Um, the whole stuff with his wife, Ava Mendez, is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Bye, She's Sheila. A... Bye, Sheila. Go inside, go inside, Terry. Bye, Sheila. Alan. I don't remember the names exactly, but yeah. And then the lady, I, I, I still talk about that scene so much, the... Uh, um, the guy from, what's his name? Taron, not Gillum. But oh, Brett Gellman. Brett Gellman, yeah. yeah. Um, you may think because of this beard that I'm hairy all you over. You guys want some Arnie Palmies? Who wants Arnie Palmies? I say that all the time. I put a little vodka in yours, honey. Come back here and sleep with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good movie. But yeah, just like 21 Jump Street, this was the first we got to see a comedic role from Mark Wahlberg, I think. Possibly. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, knocked it out of the park. It should be a message to Hollywood to find more serious people and put them in funny roles because you know they'll do it. They'll give kill a, it. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Okay. So for me, 47 was 21 Jump Street, which we already got to talk about. So now okay. you're 47. 47 for me, Chef. Mm. That's uh, John Favreau. Um, what's funny, too, is this is almost like a, a Marvel knockoff movie, you could say. Cause <laughs> Just because it's John Favreau. John Favreau, right? written and directed by John Favreau, starring Favreau. Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson, all of which were in Iron Man too. So yeah, but this is also their, you know, them having fun doing something else, which is nice. Yeah, no, and so I just okay. Um, I I love this movie so much. I've seen it. I think I've seen it twice, and both times, it's such an easy movie to fall in love with. I'm a huge fan of food movies. And um, like Burnt and uh, The Hundred Foot Journey. There's a couple of other ones too. But this one just really speaks to me because it's so simple. Like the premise of this movie is literally he is a world-class chef working at a job where he's not appreciated. A um, critic comes in and talks ill of him because his work would not let him create. And in doing so, he ends up blowing up because of social media Really heavy uh, influence of social media in this movie too, which I really liked to kind of show what critics have to go through. But then the whole rest of the movie is just him literally giving up that and giving up his whole life to do a food truck. But the whole the whole food truck piece of it is he he has a best friend John Leguizamo who literally also was like, hey man, like you tell me what to do and I will drop everything and come to you. And he was like, hey, I'm doing a food truck. Boom, he was there the next day. So such a good friend. But not only that, but he uh, rekindles his relationship with his son. And they travel the U.S. cooking. And it's just the coolest thing in the world. Like, it is the ultimate feel-good movie. I'm trying to think. I think the only... Because typically, most movies, the, the the twist or the whatever is in the third act. Where something happens and a relationship is broken and it has to be rebuilt. In this movie, the relationship's already broken. Like, he's already separated from his wife. I think they are divorced. And he gets fired or, or quits from his job like within the first 20 minutes. So the entire movie is just him coming back and, and the biggest comeback in the in the best way. So that's why I love it. That and again, I mean, 
I've never seen a grilled cheese cooked as well as John Favreau makes a grilled cheese in this movie. I liked Chef. I didn't. Uh, I obviously didn't like it as much as you, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad that you have it on the list so we can talk about at least one food movie. I just took a look through my list. I don't have any food movies online. Mm. Oh, the, you know another good one too. This is an older Japanese movie, but Tam Popo, T A M P O P O, great food movie. Yep. Okay. So 46 is what we're on, right? Uh huh. 46 for me is Sinister. I imagine Ooh. that's on your list somewhere. Sinister was number 51. Oh, crap. Didn't okay. make the cut, so I'm glad you have it on your Man. list so we can talk about it. Sinister, Sinister is so good! Such a scary movie. Oh, my God. One of the only times in my life where I was like covering my eyes in the theater. Because, oh, yeah. Uh, the sort of home videos they do, the Super 8 camera stuff is so terrifying. Masked up. Uh, be careful when you watch this movie. If you watch it on plasma TV, the, you know, it's Ooh. got the blacker blacks. You might miss a lot. Uh-huh. Make sure you crank that brightness up. That's right. Uh, but yeah, and we just watched this this Halloween era. And uh, yeah, it's, it continues to be scary. We talked about it in that podcast too, but that was that was like the absolute peak of horror movies at that time. And Bird of the Ton of other ones, too. Because I mean, Sinister 2 is really good as well. Not Obviously not as good as the first one, but, yeah, but it's it still a good. good, scary movie. But then you had like the Conjuring movies and all those other ones that came out during that time. Like They really upped their game. That's also right around when Cabin in the Woods came out. I think so, yeah. Because I remember we saw both of those movies with, um, was it Alex and... Yeah, uh, and J.J. That and was, JJ, yeah, because yeah, they're horror buffs, too. Yep. And I think I have, I've got a few other horror movies in here, too, but that's the first one. And you got to love Sinister. If you haven't seen it, Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's by, written and directed by Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, um, who uh, did Doctor Strange. And so we're really hoping, and they kind of have hinted that this next Doctor Strange movie is going to be more scary, kind of like Sinister. That'd be great. That would be, would be awesome. Um, okay, that was, what, your 46? Mm-hmm. Okay, my 46 is The Handmaiden. Mm. Which is by Bong Joon Ho. Just kidding. No, it's not. It's by uh, Chan Wook Park, or it could be Park Chan Wook. Sometimes IGN has them off, but that's um, because oh, the surname versus correct. This yeah. is a uh, so this is a Korean film. Uh, Amazon did it, so it's on Amazon Prime. If you wanted to check it out, just trying to see what other movies he did. Old Boy. He directed uh, Old right. Boy, which was a great movie. Old Boy's yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he's something about Ch- uh, Snowpiercer. No, that was Bong Joon-ho. But yeah, so this movie, I loved this movie when I saw it. I was really looking forward to it. The trailer, if you like, if you're even on the fence about it or you're like, I don't know, this movie, watch the trailer because the trailer is what what made me want to see the movie. Like, it's such a good trailer. The movie isn't exactly like the trailer in terms of the way it's cut, but I just, I was like, I have to see this movie. And it was. This movie's incredible. Um, It was one of my top films of 2016. It's about a uh, handmaiden who, along with the help of this guy, they're basically infiltrating this family. And it's not even really a family. It's like a girl and her uncle. And uh, they're basically trying to steal her money. So the plan is he will marry her instead of... Because her uncle is planning to marry her so that he can get the money. And he's like this psycho. But he was going to marry her, and then the handmaiden will convince her to kind of go along with it. But then what happens is there's three, there's three acts in the movie. And so there's a giant twist at the end of each act. And um, I don't know if I want to sp- I'm not going to spoil it. but I wouldn't. Because um, I actually, I mean, I saw this. I loved it. It's one of the best list. one of the best twists. But this is one I need to rewatch again. And I'd rather you not say it in case I rewatch it soon. Because yeah, 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 of course. I want to be surprised again. But yeah, the cinematography is phenomenal. The dialogue is beautiful. And um, like I said, those t- it's one, the reason it's on this list is specifically because of those twists. Like they, I haven't seen good twists like that in a movie in a long time. 
So that's my number 46. Really good. Uh, 45 for me, a movie we just talked about on the other podcast, Rise of Skywalker. Ooh, that's a lot higher for me. What do you got of that? Or do you want to wait and reveal it? Um, it's uh, number one? <laughs> no, it's number 10. Wow. I love that movie. It's great. I don't need to regurgitate all my thoughts. You guys can listen to the That's right. We just put it available. out. It's available right now. But yeah, yeah, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, hell yeah. Fantastic. My number 45, The Dark Knight Rises. Mm. And does it ever. This was like my 51 slot, I'll say that. This was, uh, yeah, see, and there's there's a couple, and this is where it's weird, like, and coming up, the next two movies in this list are 10s for me, but they're this far down the list. So again, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's tough. But, um, love The Dark Knight Rises. It, uh, not my, I, I had said at the time, after I went and saw it, because I, I, we all went and saw it Midnight, right? You didn't. Or did you? I think we did. Or I no, went and I saw it at midnight when I was in college. And then the shooting happened in Aurora that night. I didn't know about it until the next morning and woke up to like 50 million text messages and emails and voicemails from my mom and from well-wishers and warriors. But um, we saw it again that night in Highlands Ranch. And there was security there and all that stuff. But you, me, and Matt went and saw it. And Joey, too, I think, right? Yeah, probably. It's a good movie, and so even after seeing it those second times, at that point, I said, what was it? I said, Batman Begins is my favorite, Dark Knight Rises is the best. Or Dark Knight is the best. Or Dark Knight is the best. Yeah, it's it's just, it's so tough to blend them all together, because it's, it's changed since then, but this movie is just so good with Tom Hardy and... Uh, Tom Hardy is Bane. Tom Hardy is Talia Bane. Al Ghul. Talia Al Ghul. Uh, get to see a little bit of Crane. Scarecrow. Back Scarecrow, which action. was nice. Um, and then Joseph just Gordon Levitt as the upcoming Robin. That whole thing was great. I wish they'd expand on it. But then we've got the classic. We say this all the time, but every summer, I, I take, take a trip. trip. I take a trip. That part was cool. It's just it's a good. It's a Christopher Nolan movie, and it's, it's a great cap to his Batman trilogy. Yeah, there's some bits in it that I don't like, and there's some bits in it I wish he would have expanded on, but I would never tell Christopher Nolan that. Like, he can make whatever movie he if wants. He's listening right now. You just told Chris, <laughs> buddy, man, no, you did a great job. Trust me, you did. The fire rises, brother. Actually, oh man, I would have almost spilled your water. <laughs> That'd be another. Yeah, I, I we do it really well with a cup, but I don't have my cup anymore. Um, okay, but that's my number 45, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, like I said, that was like... First, I will call that out too, first Christopher Nolan movie on my list. First uh, for both of us. Um, 44 for me is La La Land. Ooh. Does that make your list? Oh, yeah, it's further up. Okay. Uh, not much that needs to be said about La La Land. I think everyone's familiar with it. Yeah, it uh, won an Oscar, didn't it? Uh, yeah, definitely. Best Picture. It almost won Best almost, Picture. Almost, almost for a hot minute. For how uh, many they were in La La Land? Wait till you see where I got Moonlight, though, because that's a lot higher for me. Uh, but La La Land's fantastic. This is, for me, the third Gosling movie. Uh, probably the only musical on my list. Um, I still is don't it like... musical? Yeah. It's they definitely sing? The opening scene is that traffic oh, musical scene, yeah, they're, they're which I admittedly don't like and sometimes skip when I watch I it. I secretly but, like it. Yeah. It's a, it's a great romance kind of movie. Uh, the cinematography is just like next level. It's oh Damien Chazelle has really established himself from Whiplash. Uh, Whiplash and yeah, Whiplash didn't make my list. Neither did First Man, and oddly, First Man's the only of these three that I give a ten. But to me, it's like I'm kind of mixing 
you know, my thoughts on it now with a little bit of objectivity to say, like, how much did this impact us this decade? Right. Um, and yeah. yeah, so for me, La La Land is probably his most important movie and, you know, really the one that set him apart. And I, you know, so excited to see where he goes next. But mm-hmm. La La Land is such a warm movie. It's a feel-good movie, but at the same time, it's a, it's a, it takes you on the greatest journey. And it's funny because the only, and I gave it a 9-2 and I'm looking, I'm looking at my list. It's number 37 on my list. Because, um, yeah, I loved it. It's one of those movies, though, that's that I don't mind that it is, but it is 100% Oscar bait in the same sense that, like, Marriage Story is 100% Oscar bait, where it's like, let's make a movie about Hollywood. And that turned me off when I first watched it. Not in a bad way, but the whole time I was watching it, I'm just like, like of course, like I can't relate to any of this. I don't live in Hollywood. I'm not trying to be an actor or whatever. But But the way that it's portrayed, I kept thinking, like, I feel like this is what people go through when they're trying to make it in Hollywood. And so the fact that he had like some of the flashbacks and was it like the whole twist at the end or when it was like they weren't even together in the first place right. or something like that, like that was all really great and powerful, especially the beginning of the movie. Like I said, the reason I like it is because it really makes you feel like you are in La La Land, L.A., like sure. you are in Los Angeles. The the Technicolor like notification that it has, like this movie has been filmed in, in like total yeah. old school, and then boom, every color in the, in on the highway is totally vibrant. Everyone's wearing bright colors. Like I just absolutely loved that, even though it does it seems a little much, but I, I, yeah. So that La La Land's great, great movie. So um, we got it. Forty four. Forty four. X Men: Days of Future Past. Mm. Ten out of ten. Love this movie. Um, but like I said, I was like, I wanted to rewatch it to see, but I know I would just keep giving it a 10 because it's the only X-Men movie. We'll see. I don't think I have any other X-Men movies on this list. Really not first class? I think that was like a... I need to rewatch both of those because um, yeah. they're 10s for me too, but I haven't yeah. seen them in a while. I didn't put them on the list. Yeah, first class is not on the list, but, but yeah, they're just that whole... X-Men first class, to me, was the bravest thing that Fox did with the X-Men um, people. In terms of saying, you know what, we're going to just go with new people. Like, we've seen the old characters, great. But Days of Future Past, in my eyes, was the first real comic book movie that I saw. Because I think, or not, well, no, that's not true. Avengers was. But um, this movie, just like, the fact that it combined all of the actors from the prior series and the actors from the new series in a coherent story that's actually a comic book, the Days of Future Past story was brilliant like the fact that they had logan be the center of the story fine that made total sense but i wished it was shadow cat but still like the fact that all the same like store like uh halle berry showed up all everybody showed up and then you got the rogue cut which is like an extra th- almost 30 minutes of anna paquin as rogue and it's so good like there's some amazing scenes in that too it's just a it's a next level movie for me because uh, again i think they really that was them finally being like all right let's make a good Obviously, like I said, First Class is phenomenal, but they're like, let's make a good X-Men comic book movie. Like, I would be fine if everything but First Class and Days of Future Past were, like, erased with this whole Disney well, thing. that's funny because, you know, Days of Future Past did successfully what a lot of people think Rise oh. of Skywalker did to Last Jedi, which is just erasing right. everything that we No, done. you're right. That's what, was, that's what I was trying to think up was, like, this was the first movie that successfully, as part of its plot, retconned everything. Right. Which was great. And then you had great conversations coming out of the theater going like, well, does this still exist? And it's like, well, no, then who cares? Because, you know, X-Men 3 sucked. Like, we don't have to worry about that anymore. So, um, yeah, so that's 
awesome movie. I think I prefer First Class between the two, but like I said, I need to rewatch them. I hear ya. So 43? 43. 43 would be the fourth Ryan Gosling movie on my list. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to count down. There's a lot of repeat actors on mine. Natalie Portman and Brad Pitt are appear in a lot too, but Ryan Gosling is the first that came to mind, so I'm going to keep doing a countdown. This oh. is the fourth Ryan Gosling movie, and it's Place Beyond the Pines. Mm. This is a really great movie. This is Derek uh, C. in France. I, I don't know how you say that, but um, he, you know, it also stars uh, his real life partner, Ava Mendez. That's right. And this was a really, really cool movie to watch because, um, you know, it's Ryan Gosling and you assume he's the main character through the whole movie, but uh, he dies like yeah, halfway down. Yeah, that's right. And the second half of the movie is essentially about his son growing up and sort of encountering the son of Bradley Cooper, who's the cop that killed him, caught and I think killed Gosling. Um, really great score for this movie. That's right. I can't yeah. remember who did it. It might have been Cliff Sorry, Martinez, man. but I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I guess I can look this up on my dang phone. That's almost uh, the same kind of plot. And I won't spoil how, but that's kind yeah. of the same as Waves. And yeah, I'm, that's higher up on my list. Waves? Yeah. Oh, nice. My Waves isn't on my list. But yeah, so I this is a really fantastic movie. I love the set. You know, everything's very dark. Uh, they kind of live into the, the whole Place Beyond the Pines thing. You know, there's a lot of forest. Uh, why am I having a hard time finding this? Okay, here we go. Hang on. The music is done by... Uh, mm. I don't know. Go back one. Scroll up a little bit. We'll get where you Composer right out. there. No, we'll cut it out. It's part of the magic. Composer. Composer. Mike Patton. Mike Patton. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm gonna apologize to our comics and cinema family for we just hit a here. we just hit a pothole in this. Uh, sort of reminds me of when Ryan Gosling's riding the little dirt bike. He he's a stunt oh, yeah. he's a stunt rider stunt driver in the movie. He works at a carnival driving a little motorcycle in this steel cage. That's right. Bar. Yeah. But then he also uses that motorcycle on this heist, and I think he's doing the heist with none other than Ben Mendelsohn. Ooh, well, this is—it's a, a great movie. Uh, final credits music is Bon Iver, so I never forget that. But yeah, definitely Alcion? check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, Mahershala Ali Mahershala is also Ali. in it. I don't remember wow. him, but that's another one. I need Do to wonders never cease. All right. right, that was forty-three. Number forty-three for me is Skyfall. Ooh. James Bond. When the sky falls, great. One of the great Bond songs. Uh, yeah, only Bond song that I've got on vinyl. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just like I said, it's a ten out of ten, but it's lower on the list just because, this, like you were saying, like nothing about the movie. I, I kept kept thinking about it because I haven't rewatched it in a while, but it's like nothing, not necessarily stands out to me for it being the you know greatest movie of all time. That's why it's lower on the list, but. The movie when you watch it is so good, like yeah. the it's a really well made movie. I all whenever I think about it, the the scenes that come to my mind is the wide shots at the um, his old house, where it's like kind of in the middle of nowhere and they're setting up everything. But then the uh, the Shanghai scenes with the like when he's on the boat mm. rolling in with the lights. Oh man, just beautiful. Absolutely, probably look good in 4K if they ever did it. Yeah, I need to rewatch this one too. I think I wa- rewatched it maybe a year or so ago, two years. But um, yeah, it's just I, I was like doing it then too. Would I was you say like, that that's the best of this Bond trilogy, or no, no, my, it's not really. A Casino Royale but, is the best yeah. in my opinion, but um, but this one's a definitely a close second, and um, and yeah, so like even when I was rewatching, it, I was like, I need to rewatch this. Like 
I don't remember it being a 10. Like, I don't know if it should be a 10. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a 10. Like, it's one of those movies where it doesn't sit with you long after the film, but when you're watching it, you are engrossed in it. And it's got, um, what's his face? Uh, Javier Bardem. That's right. Really good Bond villain. Great Bond villain. Awesome Bond villain. All right, All right, 42 for me is Vox Lux. Ooh, another Natalie Portman. This is, I think if I look at the list, this is probably number two for Natalie Portman. Song to Song? Yeah, first yeah she's in Song to Song. Um, this is a very tough movie to watch, I think. You know, it opens with yeah. a school shooting that's horrifying. And that kind of shapes the entire movie because Natalie Portman is this pop star that gets her start, essentially, as a result of the shooting that she survives. Um, it's a really interesting, you know, movie to explore sort of the fame that America creates. I, I think yeah. it's a really deep it is. movie because it's, you know, the idea of us having, you know, this famous celebrity who comes out of a school shooting is something only in America. And it's, it feels incredibly believable. And, you know, all this stuff, you know, it starts with her as a kid. We get some of that. There's some fantastic, you know there's this like dream sequence that I always think about that they end up using sort of in a music video but um, so the second half of the movie follows her as an adult you know kind of reacting to some you know another shooting that happens sort of the people that imitate someone in her music video um, but this is I mean it's a very heavy movie and it's narrated by Willem Dafoe which oh, is great right. uh, and there's sort of an interesting kind of a twist at the end that you don't know if it's real what he's saying, but you know you find out something about this whole thing that really what was cast an interesting light. I don't want to give it away in case someone wants to see this movie, but uh, it's can you can you whisper it to me? I'm not. I'll whisper it to you after the podcast. Okay, guys, cover your ears. But uh, yeah, Vox Lugs, really really cool movie. Uh, I don't remember. Definitely. Hmm. I mean, in terms of movies that kind of define the decade, this certainly fits the bill. In yeah, it's terms a very of representing good, a very good mirror on society. Yeah, we are a society. We live in a society. So that's forty-two. Forty-two. Cloud Atlas. Mm. Cloud Atlas. I knew nothing about going to see it. Didn't see it in theaters. It was a. Uh, you had it right. You were like, "Hey, I borrowed it from you." Yeah, I can't remember. I think there was a summer. I think when I was home from college, that Joey and I would. Um, I think this was at a time when we would find some shady website to watch movies on. Uh-huh. And this was, I think, one of the ones we did. Um, that or I just bought it on a whim. You, Whatever it was, you were like, yeah, I bought this movie. It's so good. And I was yeah. like, okay, let me borrow it. And I was blown away. I wish I'd seen it in theaters. It is long. It's expansive. It tells stories over multiple generations and multiple different timelines from multiple different people. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's um, it's just in terms of being needs to be on this list because what they did in this movie, the Wachowskis, just it just killed it, and I I was so transported and engrossed in this film, like the different the fact that they had the same actors playing different people was so cool, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, and I don't really want to say much more than that if you guys haven't seen it because yeah, it's a really good, very good sci that's a sci-fi type movie like a Star Wars type movie mm-hmm. in my eyes. Okay. Didn't make my list, but I do love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 41 for me is Sicario. Ooh! Uh, this is a great, great movie by, uh, I think, Denis Villeneuve. 
Yep. yep. Starring, you know, Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro. Uh, so good that they made a sequel that they really shouldn't have, but the sequel was pretty good, too. The sequel was okay, but it was also not good. But Sicario is incredible. I mean, it's a story about FBI agent pursuing the cartel. Another um, very, like, timely look on our society type sure. movie. Uh, you got John Bernthal. I'd love to do Bernthal call-outs when I do my list. Oh, yeah, Bernthal. Big fan of John Bernthal. Love John Bernthal. Uh, but, yeah, and also this has got a score from Johan Johansson, which is very, very good. Oh, uh, yeah, rest in peace, man. And it's one of the, what is it, Taylor Sheridan's, um, you know, modern yeah, Western Ta- Taylor trio? Sher- yeah, his modern Western trilogy, which was Sicario, and then, um, uh, what is it, Hell or High Water, and then Wind River. Yeah. So Ooh, Wind River list? is Winter River on your list? Okay, oh, yeah. good because it's not on mine. Whoa, I know. Sicario? Oh yeah, Sicario's way up there. But okay. I just didn't put Wind River, or Hell or High Water. But I love. I would say for me, it's Sicario, Wind River, Hell or High Water. Okay. Wind River is, is a nightmare of a movie. In a, in a good way. Another Burnthal. We'll get there. Oh yeah. Okay. Number one for me, and we just talked about it. Last number Jedi. one. <laughs> no, forty one. Number forty one. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Don't need to say much more. Excuse me. Uh, you can refer to the Star Wars podcast, but um, loved that movie, thought it was a great Star Wars movie, and definitely felt warranted to put it on this list, as it was one of my faves. Uh, but yeah, that's my number 41. Uh, number 40 for me is Isle of Dogs. The Isle of Dogs. Uh, Wes Anderson, stop-motion animated movie about uh, dogs on Trash Island in Japan. Um, Wes Anderson is such a creative director, and I'm sure if you've seen one of his movies, you get his style. Uh, and he's done a couple now, the animated. This was after Fantastic Mr. Fox. I just, this movie is so, you know, it's so creative, so original. Mm-hmm. And it's one of his most fun movies, I think. Have you heard the rumor? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> great. Um, all the great voices, Brian Cranston. I think Scarlett Johansson plays the ginger. Yeah, yep, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of great voices. But, yeah, really, really cool movie. I uh, love culminates, culminates in a haiku. Good to oh, mention right. that. Yeah. I love that scene. So good. That's yeah. the climax of the, the dog movie is the haiku it's reading. The, it's the haiku dog one, right? You, yeah, and you couldn't you couldn't come up with a more Wes Anderson thing to say than this movie climaxes in a haiku reading. Yeah. Uh, that is my number 24 okay. on this list. So I also loved Isle of Dogs. We saw that twice in theaters. And right. yeah, we're huge Wes Anderson fans. And so getting to see fantastic... And, I kept thinking, like, when I was like, okay, we're going to make this decades list, the first things that popped in my head, I was like, I need to get Coraline on that list. I need to get um, Fantastic, Fantastic old, right? Mr. Fox yeah. on that list. And Those uh, are like 09. Yeah, they're like 09. And I was like, ah, damn it. Like, I love Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so the fact that Wes Anderson was, and that's because it was based on a book that I loved. But this is like, I was like, oh, he's doing another stop motion one on something that's brand new, like a not based on anything. I was like, awesome. And yeah, I loved it. The the music, the all the drums. And, and this is also, this is one of two movies on my list that have a, a clever title. You're right. This being Isle of Dogs, which is also I Love Dogs. Correct, and that's a big part of the movie, too. He... And the other one will come up later. Okay. That one's a little nice. more sinister, but Ooh. Um, that's 40 for me. My number 40, Mandy. Ooh, okay. That's by, okay. Um, what is it? Nachios, Na- Na- oh yeah, Panos Cosmatos. Panos, yeah. Uh, and he also wrote it. It stars Nick Cage and Andrea Reisberg. Um, it is a... That movie just changed my life. We went and saw that in Alamo Draft House, mm-hmm. and I had seen the trailer for it. And I, I I love Nick Cage. I even love a lot of his bad movies. But I was like, this movie just looks like it's gonna be good. 
and we saw it and it was just so visceral and uh, visually stunning like the colors were nuts the story was nuts you get to see him wielding a giant metal axe that looks like a like a should be a guitar and uh, fighting guys in leather masks that look like they're part of Slipknot as he's riding a car and they're like riding on fire motorcycles and then you've got some scene with a tiger like a almost a dream no yeah he's like the whole movie the whole movie feels just like a fever dream and that's not an exaggeration like if you see it that's probably what you would describe it as as a fever dream but it it truly is a great fever dream and it's it's a it is a twist on taken because it is about uh mandy which is Nicolas cage's wife or maybe his girlfriend and she gets taken by a cult and uh they find it was like she gets killed and he basically just goes to get they make him watch as they like sacrifice her or something and so he just get, is the whole rest of the movie is him getting his revenge and it's it's just if you ever wanted to see Nicolas cage wearing nothing but underwear drinking an entire bottle of whiskey and screaming in a bathroom you would get to see that in this movie, and it's so good. For the uh, obviously the comic fans of your show, there's a reference to Galactus. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. There is. Yeah, that was. Yeah, anytime we can get a Galactus in here, there's also a Galactus in Vice. Mm. Uh, okay, number thirty nine. Thirty nine for me is the writer. Ah, directed by the director of Eternals. Uh, Chloe Zhao or Zhao. Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Um, this is a really cool movie. That's, it's almost a documentary in the sense that it's about this. Uh, horse rider and horse trainer in I want to say Montana or no I think it's South Dakota but um, you know he gets in some horrible riding accident from the rodeo and you know basically they tell him he should never ride again right and the movie's kind of him coming to grips with that because it you know really shatters his identity as a cowboy uh, it's really really special movie reminds sad me of Malik it is sad um, but the realism is so great because they use him in what's pretty much his story, but you know, they change his details and stuff, but they also have his actual dad and his sister. Those yeah, are, I like mean, they're all, all non-actors, yeah, which really adds to the authenticity. And yeah, I just rewatched this one. It's really, really crushing movie. Uh, but I mean, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Not for sure. What do you have for that one? That would be 39. 39 is... Oh, it kicked me out of IMDb. My number 39 is... Drum roll, please. Moonrise Kingdom. Mm, Another Wes Anderson That one's movie. on my list a lot higher. Let me check. I love... I, I honestly... Because I... Part of... And I, I hate that I do 11 this. 11 for me. Uh, wow. Um, I hate that I do this, but I, I do constantly compare to you like when I'm doing movies. Like I'm always wondering, like, well, where's Stevie going to put this in his list? Like... Am I going to get him to roll his eyes at me if it's not high enough or, or too low? I don't care. But I, I, I'm seeing now, I like that. It's like our movies are all... It always seems we like the same movies, but to varying degrees. So mm-hmm. like some movies you like way more than I do, but I still really liked them and vice versa, minus Marvel. But um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So Moonrise Kingdom, that's a Wes Anderson movie from 2012. It is a... It's like a Boy Scouts meets Wes Anderson sort of. they it's a, about a Boy Scout and a girl who fall in love and on this little island. The soundtrack is just so good. The score is great. It's got Bruce Willis and uh, um, who's the one who's always in his movies? Um, you got Angelica Houston. Click, click on it, I guess. 
Um, yeah, okay, but the kids are Jared Bill Gil- Murray. Yeah, there you go, Bill Murray. Uh, Jared Gilman and Kara Hayward are the, the kids in this movie. And I Also, think Lucas Hedges makes an appearance. Lucas Hedges, that's right. And Edward Norton, Francis McDormand, Tilda Swinton. He's, Wes Anderson is a more overt Terrence Malick in that sense because Terrence Malick pulls in a lot of really famous actors and then films all his scenes and usually cuts a lot of them out. But Wes Anderson has purpose for them, and so he has a ton of famous actors, and they're all in the movies. He's so. got his classic ensemble of go-to Like Jason too. Schwartzman yeah. and uh, Bill Murray. But yeah, I know. I just love that movie, and I, I watched it a ton of times. The There's that. There's just oh, there's so many good scenes in that movie. But I, I, I think it was the first Wes Anderson that I saw. That's oh, really? That's why I love it so much. Oh, wow. It's the perfect combination of you know his whimsical style mixed with the sort of... Um, you know, twisted, fractured family stuff. Um, I, it's not my favorite Wes Anderson. I think that goes to Royal Tenenbaums. But ooh, that's um, a great one. I love Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, really, really good soundtrack. Um, the fact that it's, you know, primarily told through the eyes of kids, I think works really, really well with his style too. Okay, that's number thirty-nine. Is that your third? Okay, yep, 38. So 38 for me is Arrival. I know that's got to be on your list. Pretty high on my list, yeah. Arrival for me is at uh, number 18. Arrival is another uh, Villeneuve movie. About, Denis. Uh, Denis! You know, aliens landing on Earth. It's a great sci-fi movie that to me seems very realistic because it's more so about, you know, how do we communicate with these beings and how do we try to avert the inevitable war that's going to happen because of how hot-headed all our leaders are so timely in that sense of very course. timely but yeah very uh, contemplative i love the idea of you know rather than trying to fight these aliens right away let's send in a linguist and a scientist exactly to thank you yeah that was great and their whole language was beautiful too and the the music the yeah and the another this call. was i think again johan johansson with oh, a yep, great uh-huh. score uh, the design of the aliens is really cool too. Everything about this movie—I mean, it's—it's it's, feels like a very adult sort of sci-fi alien invasion. Movie. It is, and I remember when we, when we saw it too, we were just blown away because I don't think we expected the twist at the end either. Right. Um, which was just—it felt almost like an Inception movie at that point during that scene because mm-hmm. it was like a one go back in time and all that stuff. But it, it, you know, if you haven't seen that movie, you're you're doing yourself a disservice. You should definitely go see it. Um, and yeah, it's another just Denis. I would say my he's one of the directors I've got a lot on there, like Wes Anderson. Denis is just so good. I can't wait for his Dune, but he oh, yeah. really just did a good job on this film. And and Amy Adams knocked it out of the park. I'm bummed she didn't. She didn't even get nominated, did she? I don't know. If she like, did. She didn't win. She's a quiet res- respite, kind of like Natalie Portman, who kind of gets snubbed, or she doesn't get snubbed. She gets nominated and then doesn't win. But. Um, but yeah, Arrival. She just, did not get nominated. She didn't? It, no, it got nominated for a lot, and it won for sound editing. But, but at least it's an Oscar winner, then. I guess yeah. we can we can go that. But uh, yeah, I was that was when I was really... It was that one and Blade Runner that I was hoping uh, um, Johan would have gotten right. uh, an award for it and didn't. Was, Rest in peace. Rest in peace is right. Um, okay, number 38 yeah. for me is Us. Okay. By Jared Peel, right? Jordan Peel. Jordan Whoa, Peel. who's Jared? Jared? Whoa, Jordan Peel, written and directed. Starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, and our boy, Tim Heidecker. That's right. I tell you, wait a minute. Did you put Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie on your list? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim and Eric's Billion isn't on my list either. 
But um, shout out to Tim Heidecker for changing our lives for the better. Um, us and Eric, I suppose. And Eric, sure. Eric Warheim as well. Um, the 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 Purple Boys. But it reminds me of that Tim Heidecker and Eric and that Eric. one. <laughs> but uh, Us is just such a good movie. It, in my eyes, almost more than Get Out, felt like a Twilight Zone night gallery type movie where it was just this wild concept that kept getting weirder. And you start, and he he does it in such a good way that you suspend your belief and you stop asking questions like the, oh, you know, why didn't she go up the escalator at any time? Like she could have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you don't care about that because you're just engrossed in the movie, and the cinematography of the movie. He's just Jordan Peele has proven himself to be one of the new up and coming big uh, filmmakers like a Malick or a Christopher Nolan. He's both of the movies he's done have just been phenomenal. This is the only one that's on my list. I don't have get out on my list, but I do have get out on mine. Okay, good. Well, then we can talk about it. Is us on your list? No, oh. I didn't like us as much as get out. Oh, and see, I liked, but it. I agree. I agree in the sense that I don't know. Obviously I don't think he's on the same level as some of those directors like Nolan or Malick, but just that he's making a name for himself. Yeah, like, you know, Oh, this is a peel movie. It looks like he is developing his own style to the point where you might be able to recognize his movies just by watching them. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, and very creative for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I did like Us, even though it's not on the list. Uh, 37 us. for me is The Farewell. It's a movie nice. from this year. Nice, yes, good. Glad that's um, it's not on my Great movie uh, directed by Lulu Wang, starring Aquafina, And uh, the only other actor I knew going into that would be uh, Zima, who was also in Arrival. And he's in Rush Hour. He's oh, a yeah. great, uh, Chinese uh-huh. actor. But it's a movie, you've probably heard about it, about a uh, Chinese family. Their grandmother has cancer. They find out she's dying, but she doesn't know. And, you know, culturally, they don't want to broach the subject with her, so they stage a fake wedding as an excuse to go out and see her for one last Such a cool concept. Really, really cool. I mean, really heady family stuff. And, yeah, there's a lot of uh, humor in there, too. Uh, Aquafina, I think, is a comedian, but... She does a really good job here in a more dramatic role. And yeah, it's it's one of my favorites of the year, obviously, too. Yeah, I really liked Farewell, too. I'm glad I got to see that one in theaters. I thought Aquafina did a great job, and I thought she really showed. Just as I, I have no doubt that any actor can, and obviously when they do it and they don't prove it, you're like, well, okay, good. But I always have the belief that like funny actors can be super serious, and they should and serious actors should be funny like they should be able to flex those muscles and be in different movies so this was a really good turn for her where she got to be funny in some spots but overall like this is a good serious role for her and boy how hard is it watching that like you know oh look just tell her and it's like they they can't because it's part of their culture and it's like no so that was great the whole wedding was so good yeah it's like really funny really sad at the same time really suspenseful i think it's great Uh uh-huh but then wasn't there a part towards the end where it almost was like she kind of knew? Uh, I don't know. I think there was something with the sister. Maybe the sister was sick. I don't remember. I'd have to watch it again. I'm ready. I, I'm probably going to pick that one up on Blu-ray at some point soon. No, oh, nice. Well, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. You need a digital copy. Um, number 37? Is yeah. that what yours was? Mine was La La Land. So we okay. talked about that. So number 36. So 36 for me is Wind River. Here we which go. Which we kind of alluded to. This uh, this is uh, number two for Bernthal for me. Um, this is directed by Taylor Sheridan, right? This is the first of those yeah. three that he actually directed. Correct. Really, really good movie. Um, really makes use of the wilderness uh, in a way that I think. Wilderness. Yeah, in a way that 
Sicario and uh, Hell or High Water didn't really. But I think, you know, if you're going to make a new Western type of movie, they I think... did. Not to the extent that this one did. I mean, yeah. True. Yes. But so you got Jeremy Renner, who's a tracker. He's hired to figure out what happened to this girl who died. Um, I mean, it's a horrible movie in terms of you know what what you find out that happened, all this stuff. But I it's mean, sad. Ex- it's expertly sad crafted. It's true in the sense of like, right? He, they really nail the whole. It, it's another oil great, riggers yeah. who are you know up in the middle of nowhere wanting nothing. Again, but. in terms of reflecting reality, I think this one did a great job and really brought to light a lot of uh, problems that Native Americans face, mm-hmm. which is really sad. But and that's what I love about Sheridan so much. Like he really. He puts a spotlight on, sort of on, like, border crossing or Hispanics in the first movie, but more so shining a light on the, the, the troubles that face, um, you know, Border Patrol. And then in the second movie, it's more on, like, the small town person struggling to get by. Right, and that was about financial stuff. And financial problems. And then the third one is about Native American stuff. And so the reason I was saying that is, like, the first one, you get a lot of those really great western scenes that are utilized through the eyes of the military where you've got like night vision heat vision scenes where they're crawling around but then in the second movie you've got great western scenes of like the showdown at the end when they're up in the plateau but then yeah you're right those are parts of the movie whereas this movie like a good portion of it is him hiking through the snow and um yeah god that scene at the end when he gets the guy and puts him up there and he's like you what was it he says something like you know, you, you can get down, right? Like, uh, I'm not gonna kill you. You can, if you want, you can just hike down. Like, you're a man, aren't you? You were trying to be a man earlier. Like, it's only seven miles, and the guy just like gives up immediately and dies. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. So, God, Wind River is brutal, brutal movie. Very good though. Yeah, incredible. Um, okay, my number thirty-six, um, kind of right off of Wind River, The Avengers. Oh. Um, so I've got a couple Marvel movies on my list. Um, surprisingly, not as many as maybe you were thinking. But this is the first. Surely more than me. I don't think I have any. Oh, really? I was thinking maybe you'd have. Wow, you don't no. think they benefited society at all? Well, I wouldn't say that. We're I gonna just, have that talk. Not right my now? favorites. Oh, okay. Well, okay. All right. It's your favorites. There's nothing wrong about that. Uh, see, that's discourse, people. Look at that. We can have a good conversation. I don't think so, I have any DC movies either. I don't. I think I have. I might. I think I was gonna put. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got uh, Aquaman on my list. Well, you had Batman too. And uh, Batman. I don't have Wonder Woman, but that's just because Wonder Woman's a great. Wonder Woman's got some great scenes, but. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not here to talk about the ones that are on my list, but the Avengers. So number 36, uh, that is, uh, just, that was, I, and I won't say too much on these ones because I have already said my piece in the infinity saga and me podcast that I've been doing. So you can find out my thoughts on the Avengers on that first episode. But overall, I, I saw this movie, I think three times in theaters, maybe more. But it just this movie to me, I think it changed the landscape of movie making at the time because it was the first time you ever really had like a team up movie like that where you had all these different people from their own movies coming into a new movie. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like there was something else, but it wasn't. I of would the maybe scale. point to like a like a Rat Pack movie. You could say Rat Pack or maybe like, like Robin and the Seven Hoods or something. No, you... <laughs> maybe like uh, the, the Universal and... Monsters. Like well, Ab- that... Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That, yeah, that would a, be another. A couple of different monsters in the movie. But again, those can't even compare to this movie because the CGI is off the charts. It's a com- like it's a comic book movie. And obviously, I'm a comic book guy. So like the fact that I got to have, it sounds bad, but like I got to have representation on the screen was awesome. Like 
there's been so many good comic book movies that have come in this decade. This truly was, I would argue, that this decade, if anything, was the decade for comic book movies or for superhero movies. But to those of you hating that, it was also a great decade for Star Wars movies. And it was also a great decade for all of this other incredible movies we've been seeing. So Avengers was just kind of the the finger that was taken out of the dike and then it exploded and, and uh, all these other movies came after it. Like, after the Avengers came out, everyone was scrambling as to how can we make a movie like that? And that just goes to show that clearly, you know, they did something right. The fans loved it. It made a billion dollars. It was the first Marvel movie to make a billion dollars. And that uh, that was right after Disney bought Marvel. So Disney knew what they were getting into. They they were smart, very business, very business savvy. I will say I liked that movie. The Avengers? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and there's I obviously there's some scenes sure. in it that still are a little I, I again, I've talked about this, but it's like it's not a perfect movie by any means and it's it's um it's just it's a I think it's a very definitive movie of this decade and that's why I wanted it on the list. Sure. Okay. Number 35. 35 for me, you probably have it on yours, Blade Runner 2049. This would be Gosling number 5, I believe on my list. Blade Runner 2049 is not on my list. If it isn't, I'd be Oh, yeah, shocked. it's number six. Okay. Why do you have it so high up? You mean low? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I guess part I'm of that is thinking about... I'm curious about your... I want to see your top I think part though. of that is thinking about, you know, in terms of impact... Um, oh, okay, so you had I, some different factors there. Yeah, well, and I think, I, for some reason, you know, it didn't get a lot of buzz or whatever, and I don't know why. I Yeah, I really love this movie. Um it got good buzz, and the critics really liked it. Again, no this one is, went this and is saw one it. that I've. It's a ten for me for sure. Yeah, it's and like it was my favorite movie of that year. Uh-huh. It's not, you know, it's not higher on the list just because it's not higher on the list, right? I mean, it's the the way this list isn't isn't just like, oh, you know, here's all my tens, here's my nines, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, um, I liked it more than the original Blade Runner. I think obviously because the CGI and the special effects and even the practical effects are at a point where it just looks so much better. I think Gosling did a great job. I think Batista, Dave Batista, did a fantastic job. Uh, I was skeptical about Harrison Ford, especially because this came after Force Awakens, and I wasn't thrilled with him in Force Awakens. But he did he did a good job here, and it made sense because you know he's still playing that character. Uh, and of course Jared Leto as the sort of leader of the corporation. Also a great job. Uh, but to me, the biggest thing with this and with a lot of sci-fi movies is sort of the world building and the city that this occurs in. You know, just just the design of the environment and all the technology and everything in the movie makes it really, really good. And how about the female actors in that movie? Anna Diarmas. They right? absolutely killed it. Anna Diarmas. Mackenzie uh, Davis. Mackenzie Davis and uh, who's uh, Robin Wright. Robin Wright. Forgot about her. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I not so much Robin Wright or Anna, Anna, but definitely whatever her, what was her name? Are you thinking of Anna Diarmas? No, who's the bad chick? What bad? You're thinking the of girl. Mackenzie Davis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that... Sylvia yeah. Hoax. Yeah. Sylvia oh, Hoax. Oh, that's right. She should have been nominated for an Oscar. I think. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought she that. should have. She was in a. Uh, she was in a film. I thought. Yeah, she I gotta watch this movie again. It's just the. Gotta set there, aside. I mean, I, two hours and forty five. I know minutes. it's a long one, but I, I saw recently. I saw that scene where she's talking with Robin Wright, and she breaks the glass in her hand. Like, oh, it's just. You're so... right that I. If I watch this again, it would probably shoot up to like top fifteen. Yeah, and that's why I just so I haven't. And so honestly, hard. I haven't seen this movie in years, but I just it's still it's still like burned into my my, my mind. So I can't forget like how great it was, and I. 
I actually have not. I have it on 4K, and I haven't watched it yet on 4K. Probably scared to. I'm scared to because um, it's a long movie only. That's. I mean, and it's like I watch all these other long movies, but I just I saw some scenes of it in 4K, and it was just the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. So looking forward to a rewatch on that one for sure. That was your 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, that was my number six. So we'll get to it again. But like I said, I love <laughs> that movie. I can't believe I'm shocked. Uh, number 35 for me, Booksmart. That's okay. by uh, Olivia Munn. Olivia or Olivia, Wilde. God, I always get them mixed up. Olivia Wilde with uh, Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. I am just praying that this movie gets some Oscar love, even if it's just one nomination, just so they can say they got nominated. I think this movie deserves it. It is a really, really book smart comedy. Like it is a, Whoa. it's the it's just so funny. I, and I watched it again. It's on Hulu now, so it's free to watch on Hulu. Ooh. Uh, and so literally the day it came out on Hulu, I rewatched it, and uh, uh, it was just as funny. This the, the, Their friend, the guy who's like always trying to get him to go to the party, is so funny. And the sister in the movie is, uh, what's her face um, from Star Wars? Uh, Billy Lord. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, um, Leia's daughter in real life. She's in it. She did a great job. It's just it's a great buddy movie. Like really shows really good best friends. It's a great, um, very diverse cast. I love the 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 just the high school situation in general. Just seems a lot more representative of current day high school to me. That whole scene where she's like, she's like, I got into whatever. You know, where did you get in? She's like Stanford, and she's like. Yeah, I'm going to Stanford too. And she's like, wait, no, that's not possible. Yeah, that was And really she's hard. like, yeah, but I also, you know, I got a great score on my SAT. And the other guy's like, yeah, I'm taking a year off to go work at Google. I'm making like six figures. And she's like, are you kidding? Like, it's so accurate that it's sad. And uh, yeah, so I loved that movie. I just thought it was so good. And like I said, I really hope I get some some Oscar love. Yeah, it's great. I, I liked it too. Not on my list, but uh, I don't know if it would probably be on like, top 25 of the year oh yeah it's in my top 10 yeah for the year um see now you got me rethinking this whole list thing because of blade runner being low yeah what's too late to make what does your top 10 list even look like we'll get there Uh, we will in the meantime 34 is get out Mm. which we talked a little about jordan peele all right all right it's one of those movies where you know obviously i didn't like get out more than blade runner but i feel like in terms of Right, right you know importance for the decade movies of the decade i think get out is a little more important for the decade because i mean i don't need to explain it everybody and their mother's seen this movie it's so i would have voted for obama for a third time (laughs) it's so fresh it's a genuinely good horror movie but it also is so engaging with you know all the sort of racial tension and humor that's you know throughout the movie and i mean jordan peele knows exactly what he's doing in that one he really does and you know as much as i liked us too i just get out is just so it's a standalone feat to me and you know daniel kaluuya does such a fantastic job in that role that scene where he's sitting in the chair and is to crying oh, yeah. was just that's some of the best acting that i've seen in a long time it was yeah. so good i i really enjoyed this i've seen it a few times already yeah and i, I liked it too i've seen it a, a couple times as well just didn't make the list but yeah jordan peele's is he really like i said he's really just up and coming in terms of Look, eventually, I, I have no doubt in 10 years, he'll have enough movies out that you'll be like, yep, this is a Jordan Peele movie. I already think that. So, you know, anytime I hear that he's attached to a project, like, I'm going to go see that movie. Uh, that was your 34. Mm-hmm. My 34 is MacGruber. Let's see where I have MacGruber. Oh, boy. Let's see, indeed. 19. Ooh, wow. 
Um, MacGruber, what what can I say about MacGruber? Um, he makes <laughs> life saving. Have you ever been to DC? <laughs> I was talking to the missile. I was talking to the missile. Uh, making life saving inventions out of household materials. MacGruber. MacGruber. Um, 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 getting in and, and out. Getting of ultra, ultra sticky, sticky situations. situations. MacGruber. Um, he he made an effing movie. MacGruber. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, honestly. All you got to do is watch that movie and like you'll fall in love with it. There's so many good quotes in that movie. Number one or number here. I'll, how about we do this? I'll start doing. We can do quotes back and forth. So we could do this all day. Yeah, it's number one problem. or number two. Number none of your business. That means number two. Uh, yeah. Have you ever been to DC? Uh, no, I haven't. I was, I was talking, talking to the missile. My personal favorite is that. Oh man, that's a whole lot of wampum. Oh, that's a whole lot. I wonder what he was gonna do with this. It's pretty obvious, right? Well, he was gonna gonna, gonna get gonna the, the get the passcodes. Yep, got there at the same time, maybe even slightly before. <laughs> never ever say never ever. It's yeah, MacGruber's my favorite. I think if I looked at this, it's probably the highest ranking comedy I have. That's just unbelievably funny. We saw it three probably times. three times opening weekend. It's just unreal, unheard how... of at that time because that's a 2010 movie. Yeah. And this, I mean, I think it's been enjoying sort of a revival. I see people on Twitter, like film type Twitter, everyone's talking about like MacGruber's really underrated because it's it is so funny. It is. It's Will Forte is one of the best comedic actors, and he, he is. is so good in this. God, he. I'm trying to think of some of the. I mean, a lot of the quotes are not appropriate. It's just a great send up of like any sort of action or spy movie. It really is. All this stuff is. I mean, the way they just play with all the typical. Uh, yeah, I've typical gotta... lines and characters and everything putting together the team and then I've the got entire com- team blows I've got up. combined over 100 years of experience in the back of that car with 10 pounds of C4 <laughs> that I packed with my own that two I hands. my own two hands no tug tug you guys okay you guys okay uh yeah that movie is just incredible i uh god everything McGruber, put your pants back on what are you doing i don't know i don't know i don't know what i'm doing uh, yeah, that was, that's, that was so good. Okay. All right. 33. 33 for me is Ad Astra. Whoa. Again, I, again orders probably... Uh... Mine's actually number 30. So Whoa, not, okay. So we're not, not too far, far off. off. All right. Ad Astra. Uh, this is, I think if I look back, I, I can't keep doing this, but this is probably number two or three for Brad Pitt on my list. Uh, great actor of the decade, if you will. A really, really great um, polished sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very grounded in reality. And I loved it because the focus is really not on the sci-fi stuff. They make a lot of the sci-fi stuff seem mundane because it's just his job. The movie is more about his relationship with his dad yep. and learning about not only his dad but himself. And I just love you know, that approach to sci-fi because we don't see a whole lot of that. I mean, we're going to get to... I know you have it high up there too, Interstellar. But um, again, Interstellar is a lot of focus on the sort of technological marvels too. But this one is like, I mean, Brad Pitt doesn't even care. He works on this giant antenna that's like miles up from the surface of the Earth. He's got a BPM of like, what, 70 or yeah, 60? Yeah, and he goes to the moon and gets in like a very low-key, like casual uh, moon chase and shootout. And it's just like he's doing his job. So it's cool to see all that for us. But to him, it's just like, I just got to get, I am on a mission. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's a very internalized narrative, I think. And I think that's, I've seen a lot of people say they don't like this movie. And that's probably why. It's not, maybe not from like the film critic era, like area of 
the internet just like no the yeah. average person doesn't really like it and i think it's because they probably expected more yeah, sci-fi it would action. be like if it was a star like a star wars movie that was just about like luke and leia's day at the park or something right. where like weird things happen but the movie is focused just on luke or just and like leia, luke you know? bouncing around just trying to figure out who his dad was rather right, than exactly yeah. and i think what's great about it is is you're kind of wondering throughout the movie if he's gonna ever find his dad but your brain wants to believe that he does and he does so you're like the whole movie is essentially a road trip in the sense that you get to see brad pitt on earth in like low atmosphere then you get to see brad pitt on earth and then he goes on a rocket ship to the moon mm-hmm. and then from the he gets in a moon lander chase and then he goes on a rocket ship to mars right and then he's got all the stuff that oh, goes man, on the on, Mars. on Mars. Are so good. And too. then he goes on another rocket ship out to Neptune, right. and it's just like every single set piece is so advanced and so sci-fi, and he couldn't give less of a hoot about it. Right. And he, it's just so cool to me, and that's why, yeah. So it's, that's my number thirty. Uh, my number thirty-three though is The Wolf of Wall Street. Mm, oh, woo, wow. Woo, woo. Now that's low. Is it? That's pretty low on your list because for me that is number eight. Wow. Well, look at that. Then we're even. This for... is Burnthal number three, by the way. Oh, that's right. Burnthal's uh, got that great. It's got that great line when they're at lunch. When yeah, he's like, "Sell me this pen." That's telling right. everybody, "Sell me the pen." And he takes it and he just says, "Hey, write this down for me." And he's like, "I don't, I don't have any." He's like, "Here, right here, I got one for you." <laughs> so good. It's. I just rewatched it, which is why it's so high in mind. Mine probably would be so a little higher good. if I rewatched it too. I wanted to, but I haven't yet. But you go first. You. Um, say what you got. No, yeah, it. Uh, remember seeing that in theaters? It 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 really was. I, I would say peak Scorsese in terms of. It really just seems like we had said. You know, we've had thought talks on this before too, in terms of what is cinema and, and what is even Scorsese doing. But um, the the thing is, it's like Scorsese movies. The, the definition of a Scorsese movie. It's a movie about somebody that you shouldn't like. And in the movie, though, you end up liking them. Like, he makes them a likable person. And I think this guy is just so perfect, especially... Did this movie come out... 2013. Was that before or after the big short? Uh, Definitely before. So it was almost like a reverse big short in the sense of, like, we're rooting for the bad guys in this movie to, like, make these horrible deals and trick people out of money. But the movie is just really long and bloated and... And that's like the point of the movie. Like the movie yeah, is, it's a, all about excess. It's it's all about excess. Just as uh, that guy says in um, uh, the other guys, he says it's all about excess. You remember that when he's uh-uh. doing he's doing the thing. You want a double cheeseburger? America is excess <laughs> at the beginning. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's and that's why I love it. Like, and I hate that I love it, but I love it anyway. Like, it's just it's a really excessive movie. That scene where he's super drunk. And on drugs. Oh, he's on the he's on the lemons, car the quaaludes. Was just that scene was insane because it's like there was like no music playing, and he just they gets keep, in his yeah, car keep and intercutting where he's like, "Oh, I'm surprised I made it home." And then you see his car later is just absolutely destroyed. I know. Oh, it's yeah, it's such a fantastic. I mean, it's it's easily the most fun Scorsese yeah, oh, movie. Yeah, that's for sure. And you can tell he had fun making it. All the actors had such a great time making it. Um, it's the first. It's really the big breakout for Margot Robbie as well, um, and that's she's been fantastic this decade too. But man, he pulled Leonardo the DiCaprio did a big short with her too in the movie, right? Wasn't she kind of explaining things? No, she's in the big short explaining things. She has oh, like a cameo. Oh, okay, because of this where movie, she's like, probably. I'm Margot Robbie, yeah. Um, and it probably is because of that. I think this is Leonardo DiCaprio's best performance. Whoa, 
honestly, I mean, he does such a good job, especially, you know, like the drunk scenes and stuff where he's on drugs. I mean, that's that stuff's insane. The way he's contorted I'm not himself. leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm going to grab the mic. Thank you. Shout out to Tom Holland. Um, but yeah, again, this is one where it is long, but it flies by because it's no, so, yeah. in, so entertaining. And in terms of, you know, people talk a lot about, oh, does Scorsese, you know, does he make us sympathize with these people that we should be treating as villains? I think it's very much, you know, neutral in the sense that he's showing us, he's just showing us the guys. Yep. And the fact that we think he's uh, glamorizing it is just our reaction to it because we think it's glamorous. I I noticed this. I remembered, you know, from the first time I watched it, you know, the last scene of the movie. Do you know what it is? You probably remember it, right? It's, it's not him on the boat, is it? No, no, no. It's Jordan Belfort. He's doing... He's oh yeah, he's like at the a book, seminar, right, and he's in the crowd. No, he's he's leading no, the, a seminar. The real Jordan Belfort is in the crowd right. watching. Well, he's like introducing him, but the the last scene of the movie is Leonardo DiCaprio right. as Jordan Belfort. He's giving this seminar on sales, right? And it's sort of like you know he got caught. You think of it as like okay, he got up with a slap on the wrist, and it almost seems like it's glamorizing. But the last shot of the movie is not on him; it's on the crowd of people who are. All, it's like hundreds of people just watching and listening intently, and I think that that is the perfect summation of like what Scorsese is telling us is like he's not saying this guy is good we all are because how many there's like hundreds of people here Belfort's like a convicted felon and they all want to become him and that's right that's what I think the beauty of this is like he's not glamorizing it he's just showing what it was and we're all perceiving it as glamorous because it is it's like the Irishman yeah same thing or, or you know any of his other movies I totally agree and yeah that's so that's I'm glad it's higher on your list that's exciting awesome movie yeah, and at this time, guys, just for a heads up, we're getting into the weeds now. So at this point, this is where like a lot of really big-timey, I would say, Oscar-winning movies are coming up on the list, down the pike. Um, so just, I guess, just a heads up, who really cares? But I just, We're probably going to start having a lot of overlap, too. A lot of overlap, yep. Okay. So that so, was 33 for you? Yes. 32 is The Witch. Nice. I know it's got to be on your list. Oh, that's really high, yeah. Witch Let's is... See. Let's uh, see where it is. 17. Okay, The Witch. Come on. Uh, I'm looking at my Black Phillip Funko like Pop right now. A New England Horror a New Tale England, or something? What's it say? It's right there. Tale? Yeah, New England uh, Folk Tale. A New England Folk Tale. Um, really good horror movie. Do you want very, to live uh, deliciously? <laughs> very elaborate in terms of you know putting together this atmosphere. Um, really committed to the whole New England, the way everyone talks. I remember, I think it was you talking about you can hardly understand him yeah. half the time. You just get emerged um, in it, but though. such a good. I mean, so much scary imagery from the witch herself to you know Black Philip, um, all the other stuff with you know like the crows. I think when he's got lot. the thing like on his chest and goes yep, into his the sun throat. Getting yeah, the sun Oh my god, and that movie is scary too. And I, I took. Remember, at least I came to that movie with us, and she still talks about that movie of like it's probably one of the scariest experiences for her. That movie freaked her out because of because of the devil at the end of the movie. But it is so good yeah i think i might have like i'm pretty sure we watched it but then i think harry and i also you saw, saw it in iceland yeah. yeah which is cool and i think while you were doing that we saw it because Aunt weezer and jack were over yeah 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 yeah. it was mimi you saw it again mimi, yeah, we saw, saw it at the ha- we saw it at the house and oh. um like i'd had it on blu-ray and um then that maybe that wasn't there's the same no time, way you had it been on in blu-ray theater. Yeah, but but we did see it with Jack and Ann Weasel were out at one point. Okay. And we all watched it, and they were like, "Whoa, this movie's crazy." At least it was like, "I'm not watching this again." I was like, "Yeah, I'd get it." But uh, yeah, no, that movie is just incredible. And Anya Taylor Joy 
does such a good job in that film being who she is and um obviously you know the way the way that movie turns out the God, the scenes with Black Phillip are just crazy. The scenes with the witch and the... Everything about that movie is... is It's the ultimate horror movie in terms of suspense because it's more... It's like a sinister almost in terms of... There's less jump scares and more just sinister living terror. Jump scares, but it's, yeah. yeah, Sinister has more of the jump scares, but you still... It's atmospheric you, horror. It's atmospheric sure. horror, 100%. Yeah. Um, my number 32 is 12 Years a Slave. Hmm, that one is at... Hang on. Number 18 for me. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, that movie is really hard for me to watch. So I watched it. I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it. You had it or I watched it some way or shape Probably, or form yeah. from the library or whatever. But I watched it and I just remember being not – it not even was, wasn't really even uncomfortable. But it was just like I – it was the same feeling that I got when um, when I watched – when we watched the first episode of Watchmen, when the, um, the Tulsa Massacre – there's just and I was explaining this to someone the other day too. There's just there's a lot of stuff, especially like race based stuff, that I don't think we were ever taught in school. We came from a really small town. We didn't really dive into a lot of that stuff. So I have no I had no idea about that stuff. Obviously I knew about slavery. But that was the first movie where I think it really was like a very accurate slavery movie and very visceral in that sense of like God, that scene where he just gets it, like, and so it's really hard for me to watch because I just feel so terrible. Like I feel, I get so choked up even when I'm watching it. Like it choked up and uncomfortable because it's like, how could somebody do that to someone? Like I don't get how those people could kidnap him and throw him in a pen and just like whip him and hit him and then sell him off to slavery and then have you know the next twelve years be the worst time of his life. And yeah, he gets out at the end and gets back to his family, but there's that whole bit where he's like crying looking at his family and all he can say is i'm sorry and it's like dude you should not be apologizing like this wasn't your fault at all and yet that's just the world that we live in it's just so so hard to watch so it's like that was one of those movies where when i saw it i gave an instant 10 everyone needs to see it but i was like i don't know if i can ever see this movie again like i it's tough it's so tough and I then just, i rewatched it did you, you yeah, too, yeah, right? yeah and um, it was just as tough but extremely well made incredibly well made Some, really great shots i have constantly i mean since i saw it the first time which was like five six years ago um that shot towards the end where solomon's kind of looking around and then looks right at the camera oh yeah that's been in my memory since i saw the movie the first time yeah and one thing that i know we got to kind of lighten the mood because it is such a dark movie when i watched it this last time and he came home and his i saw his kids were growing up i was like how long was he gone and then I, and then I, I, like, oh, I, I actually, no, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, was it really 12 years? And I, was I was just like, like how, how much did they grow up? How much so it was, time it was, it was, uh, it was 12, 22 planes, 22 planes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but it, yeah, I just, and it's just, that's a, it's a movie. Like I said, I think that's something that everyone should see it. A hundred percent deserved its Oscar win. Like no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. Great movie, phenomenal film. And what was that? Steve McQueen, right? Yep. That was his yeah, first, and and uh, another type of movie. another great movie of like a ton of big actors in it. This and, is the third Brad Pitt movie. Yeah, Brad Pitt, Paul Dano, Michael Fassbender. She could tell for crazy for him to do that and then feel like he wants to raise the stakes even more and be in Doctor Strange is just also the breakup yeah. for Lupita. Uh, ooh, yeah, good point. And she was great. And I'm kidding about that. Obviously, Doctor Strange is nowhere near. Um, Doctor Strange is oh, I didn't even catch list. that. It was okay, so disrespectful. I was just... <laughs> in one ear and out the other. 
Uh, who else was there? Oh, yeah, the people who kidnap him. One of them was the... Taron Killam. Yeah, Taron Killam the, from Saturday Night Live. He was not funny in this movie at all. But, uh, but yeah, so we're gonna, we'll, we'll move on, on that. That was, what, 32? That was my 32, yeah. 31, this is my second clever title movie, Hateful Eight. Oh. You know this one, right? Yes, yeah. Because it's Hateful Eight, but also Hateful Eight. Uh, I, I guess I could give it away. Yeah, why not? Um, Samuel Jackson has this guy... Um, this guy's racist son suck his dick in the in the winter or whatever. Uh-huh. So it's sort of a hateful eight because he's racist. Yeah, yeah. Um, great. We saw that in 70 millimeter. Uh, the roadshow thing. Yeah. yeah, the roadshow. It was this awesome. Is, got a pamphlet and everything. It's such, I mean, you got the score from Ennio Morricone. Oh, yeah. Um, just the cinematography. So it's probably, it might be the best cinematography from Tarantino, particularly with all the nature stuff in the snow. I Obviously, I yeah, love nature uh-huh. stuff. Um and it's 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 extreme. It's all over the place, um, but very expertly written. Uh, the kind of different twists and reveals as you go are really interesting. Then you get some surprise cameo characters towards the end. Yeah, shout out to Shannon Tatum. Yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fun. It was. It was a really fun movie. That's actually my number twenty nine. So okay. not not far. I was actually when you said it, I was like, that's kind of high on your list. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, it's only two <laughs> two off. But no, I and and that's probably what, that might be my first Tarantino. I got a lot of Tarantinos on here, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Loved the road show. You got the opening intro and outro of the like music just mm-hmm. playing. I just that was such a good. That was we went. Was that the night of, uh, um, um, Nicole and Josh's wedding, or was that the day before? No were, idea. Okay, well, I just remember we went there. We booked tickets in advance. We weren't you trying to use Movie Pass for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember if it... It did work. I remember it, it did, yeah. It, it, whatever it was, you know, whatever. Movie Pass is done and over with now, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, I loved Hateful Eight, and it, the the whole... The ensemble cast was phenomenal. It was just like any other Tarantino movie where they all had something to say, something to do, great dialogue. Yeah, out of this park. My number 31 is Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Okay. Um, by Guy Ritchie with uh, Robert Downey Jr., um, is it the second one? That's the second one. Yeah, the first one was in two thousand nine. Oh, right. So um, I love this movie. I love both of the Sherlock Holmes movies. They're just so fast paced, and the editing is awesome. The uh, the mystery of it all, figuring it out, the slow mo scenes. It's just it's the perfect old timey action movie of like, it's exactly what I would have wanted from a Sherlock Holmes movie. And so to have Moriarty be the bad guy in this one, Richard Harris. Does such a good job. The chess match at the end. The, Jared Harris. The, what did I say? Richard. Richard Harris. Yeah, Jared Harris. The yeah, Jared Harris. Um, and then Rachel McAdams was great in it, even though she's not in it for long. But um, but then you got what's her face? There's another. Um, who's the gypsy woman? I don't remember. I don't either. I haven't seen I that movie in a long time. That's so good. There's like the whole gypsy. All the gypsy. Did oh, you rewatch this recently? Uh no. Oh, a couple years ago. Uh, Naomi Rapace. Oh okay. She was the and then you got uh, who? There's just uh, there's a lot of really good scenes in it, and I just I I love that movie. That's one of my faves. So thirty. Number thirty is Jackie. Ooh, Natalie Portman. This is maybe the third Natalie Portman movie on the list. Very underappreciated movie. This is her portraying uh, Jackie Onassis or Jackie Kennedy. Um, really well put together movie. I mean, the whole thing's framed as she's being interviewed by somebody. That's right. And it's just about, you know, basically post assassination. Um, I, I I don't even. It's hard to even come up with what to say. But um, incredible score from I think it's uh, Mika Levi. 
Uh, she also did the score for Under the Skin, which is higher on my list. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, I mean, the music is... I mean, it, it almost makes it like a horror movie in parts. And obviously, with like the assassination, it, it earns that. But the cinematography is so good. And the costumes are so good. It just... I mean, it it's such a well-crafted movie. You know, front to back, it feels so unique because... It almost feels like it was plucked straight out of that time period. They do such a good job. Yeah. And, I mean, Natalie Portman's Natalie Portman. There's nothing. She's one of the last great movie stars, I'd say. Ooh, Padme Amidala. Yep. Herself. Love I Natalie fell in Portman. love with her in Star Wars, and I haven't forgotten about her since. That's not on your list, is it? Jackie? Uh, Jackie? No, Jackie's not on my list, but I'm glad it's on yours so we could talk about it. Yeah, I, I loved Jackie, too. We saw that in the theaters. and mm-hmm. uh, haven't seen it since, so I don't remember much about it. I just remember coming out of it. Obviously, and that's one of the reasons it's not on my list. Sorry, I gotta fix the mic here, but um, just because all, all I really remember from it is Natalie Portman was amazing. Like she did such a good job. She deserved the nomination. She should have won. I mean, anytime she's nominated, she should win. She lost to Emma Stone for La La, La, La Land. Land. Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, I'm not a not yeah. Even though I love La La Land, yeah, I don't right. Think, yeah, uh... and all all respect to Emma Stone, but um, sorry. Uh, yeah. So no, I uh, I enjoyed it, and I I. I love that time period. I thought it was a good, good movie, and I yeah, I liked it. Um, that was your number thirty. Yes. So yeah, my number th- and yeah, we're gonna be doing overlap now. My number thirty was Ad Astra, and okay. we just discussed that. Nice. Your number twenty nine. Twenty nine is Gone Girl. Ooh. <laughs> make your list. No way. Absolutely wow. not. Gone Girl. This is a li- remember. This is a list of our favorites, not a list of the best. I acknowledge. No, I, this is one of my favorites. I acknowledge so. that this movie is amazing. Gone but Girl I hate is... this movie. I don't know if it's the it might be the best Fincher movie, but that's really hard to say because he's made so many great movies. But man, Gone Girl is crazy good. Uh, this is, I think, the first time that we got a score from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Again, if we're talking about like oh. decade importance, they've done so many great scores since Watchmen. And, I mean, Gone Girls is just unbelievable. Um, that scene where uh, the girl. Where Gone Girl herself uh-huh. um, cuts Neil Patrick Harris's throat with the no. score is just oh. unbelievable. Um, but yeah, uh, Ben Affleck does a good job. I think uh, the standout is what is her name? I can't believe I forgot. Oh, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. So good as I mean, she's so conniving, so manipulative, and that's why Alex would never put this on his list. Nope. Um. So I. Saw this movie, and uh, I, it's I have no qualms about saying that this movie is incredible. It's a great movie, really intense movie, very twisted thriller, very twisted thriller. But with all of that said, I freaking hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it. It just to okay. Look, I am a very, I'm a, I like to think that I'm a good person. I'm a good man. I'm a good husband. And I also like Chewbacca. I also like Chewbacca. <laughs> but uh, so to ha- to be to sit through this and watch this guy get raked over the coals, and I get it, I get it. He is not perfect. So like a Richard, Richard Jewell. Like a Richard Jewell, but way worse <laughs> than Richard Jewell. Uh, there's a uh, there's a bomb in the back shed, right? There's Isn't a, that what it was? There's a lot of presents in the back shed. There are presents. In the- okay, it's it's just that, and again, the the, the whole movie is set up for him like that it is actually him but going into the movie i'm like that's not the prime like i knew there was going to be some sort of twist i didn't know exactly what it would be but i knew that he was innocent like that i knew it was going to be 
that either someone else well, we did it. We find out relatively early. Right, she's you find still, out that she's alive. She's like driving away. And so the minute that I find out, found out that she was alive is when I hated the movie. Because I was like, you've just got to be kidding me that she ruined his life forever because she wanted to get away. Am I right? Or was it, am I missing? Because it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. Is she in the right logically at all? I mean, it's a very extreme reaction to being cheated on. That's what it is. Okay, okay. That's fine, fine, fine. And then, yes, way too way too much of a reaction. So um, that's why. It's just, to me, the whole movie, I'm like, come on. Like, why? Can you just leave? Like, if, it would have been fine if she had just, like, you know, oh, she faked her death and disappeared. But no, no, no. She has to go and ruin his life, like, over and over and over. And again, I'm sure in some level he probably deserved it. But to have to sit there and watch him get what he deserves is just, it was, t- it was a hard, tough movie. Loved it. Loved it, yeah. yeah. So did you love it? What? Did you love it? You said you loved it? No. I mean, I loved how good it was. Sure. Uh, okay, my number 29 was Hateful Eight. Okay. So, number 28. Uh, Birdman. Oh, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. That's the full title. Um, one of the great sort of one-shot kind of movies where it's set up, like the whole thing is one continuous shot. Um, fantastic score that's almost entirely just drumming um it's such a i mean i think that drumming kind of hits the nail on the head because the movie feels super percussive right it's all just sort of action reaction and it's all one shot very quick pace um, right yeah made to look like one shot and you know great performances from michael keaton i think emma stone was better in this than la la land and i believe correct me if i'm wrong but this was my michael keaton's audition for spider-man homecoming uh what how does that work because he was the vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's a bit of a hey! spoof on the fact that he's Batman more than... It's a spoof, yeah, but it's a spoof. That's the even better part, is it's a spoof that he on him being Batman, but then he actually becomes the Birdman in Spider-Man. Yeah, I guess. It's full circle for Keaton. He deserves the best. But, yeah, I rewatched this recently, and it definitely deserved... I think it won Best Picture? I think so. Yeah, if it's in a redo, then yeah, because I think he won twice. Let me double-check that. Because I don't want to be wrong. Yeah, it did win Best Picture. Yeah, and it definitely. I mean, another I remember, another I Hollywood type movie though, right? Would probably be my favorite of that year. But this one, there's no arguing with that being a Best Picture because it's just such a technical feat. Yeah, and so good. Yeah, and I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I just it, like I said, if it's gonna be a movie about Hollywood, like for the most part, it needs to. I'm either going to love it or I'm going to hate it. Like, I loved La La Land, but this was one... And I didn't hate this, but, like, this was one where I was just like, okay, we get it, like... But this wasn't Hollywood. It was New York, wasn't it? Right, it was more it's of the Broadway. Broadway scene. Yeah. Okay, uh, my number 28 is uh, My Hero Academia, Two Heroes. That is... Uh, Steve's rolling his eyes. I can't, I can't say anything about this because I'm it's, not a big anime guy. So. Yeah, so this is, this is the My Hero Academia movie uh, feature film. Unfortunately, I did not get to see this in theaters, but I got it when it came out on Blu-ray. This actually came out... Um, was it last year? Yeah, it came out last year. Really great movie. It just really... It, it epitomized the kind of story in the my hero academia show and it's it's about essentially it's about a world of people who have quirks like superpowers kind of like mutants and a very small percentage of the world doesn't have quirks so it's mostly people with powers and um it's about this group of kids who are going to school to essentially be superheroes so um the movie itself was about them going to this expo the main character uh is going with his hero my uh, all might who is the kind of the, the he's the number one hero in the, in the world but um 
it's just the the fights in this movie are absolutely insane. The story is really quick paced, and uh, it's a really good story about obviously you know as many animes are about pushing past your limits and doing the right thing and standing up for those that can't stand up for themselves. It's just it one of the the action scenes alone is why this movie is on this list. They're just so good. I know you were um, were you asleep at that point? When, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We all uh, my cousins uh, Harry and Jack came over along with Stevie last uh was that last friday or something like that we did a had a um had a sleepover over here and we were watching watching rick and morty it was sunday and then um and then we watched the fights in this movie and then we watched another one that's coming up here quick which is uh, dragon ball super broly uh, but stevie fell asleep because it was a long day for him and he I, I like one punch man i'll say that right, well that's fair enough okay <laughs> all right well all right number 27 i just saw i think we have the same one here i think Django we do Unchained. Django, Django. have Love you Django. ever been alone another uh tarantino obviously oh, great yeah. great tarantino um, such great role for jamie fox really fun um this is sort of your uh it's the first of this sort of revisionist history thing which is uh actually no sorry <coughs> may god bless you bless bless me ultima though we don't prefer uh, any religion on this um on this podcast you can you know pray this, to whatever god you want this would be the second revisionist history movie for tarantino the first being inglorious bastards right which is i think that's my favorite tarantino movie Ooh, uh, it's a good one but django unchained is awesome uh christoph waltz does a great job DiCaprio did a great job. I can't remember. I don't think he won an Oscar for it because obviously The Revenant was his big win. But he was definitely nominated for that would have been a supporting actor. Okay, uh, Christoph Waltz won and Screenplay won. Best Picture nominee, Cinematography. Was he not nominated? He was not nominated. That seems... uh, But he wasn't in the movie very much. I'm pretty sure he was. I mean, he's third build on IMDb. But yeah, but he had such a strong, he had a he crazy did. presence. Um, this is a great you movie. You have my very, interest, but now you have my Very quotable movie with mm-hmm. the whole, uh, I'm positive he did. That's probably <laughs> my favorite in the movie. Uh, yeah. There's not much new that we can say about this movie other than, yeah, it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack very was fun. great on this one as well. It was just... I mean, this was at the point where I was like, oh, okay, Tarantino knows how to pick music. Like, he'd done some good ones in the prior ones, but on this one it was like the, the mixture of old-timey songs with some newer songs, and the, the and there's just so many good scenes in this movie. It, Leo it, was nominated for Golden Globe. Oh, okay. Oh, well. Oscar. I mean, Golden Globe is the ugly stepsister of the Oscars, so we're going we gonna to count that at all, but... I guess. I do, I do. Congratulations to him for that. But hey, it doesn't matter. He won for Revenant and he deserved it. That's right. But, uh, okay, um, so yeah, number 26. Give me just a second. I lost my list here. Whoa! I don't know what's going on. Well, we'll take this time to thank you all for uh, joining us on this journey. We're, um, we're halfway done, basically. Technically speaking, yeah. Technically halfway, halfway done. So um, we're going to get there. Like I said, there's going to be some overlap on these next ones because... We have a lot of the same high up ones, but okay. All right, here we go. Twenty six, another Denis movie. This is Prisoners. Ooh, Paul Dano did it. Prisoners is maybe one of the most intense sort of, you know, crime detective drama type of movies. Um, very, very uh, twisted in terms of you know trying to figure out who did it, but also, I mean, just from a I mean, moral standpoint, all the stuff that, you know, Hugh Jackman's character does, trying to figure out what happened to the daughters. Um, it's it's so 
it's it's crazy. I forgot about it to an extent, and then I watched it again to see is this still like a ten? Is it still one of the best of the year? And it absolutely is. Mm. Um, Cinematography is insane. I think it might have been Roger Deakins involved on this one. Um, yeah, he was the cinematographer yeah. here. It looks so good. Roger Deakins very is well second written. only to Lubinsky. And, I, you know, as great as Hugh Jackman is and Paul Dano, and also that one really weird guy who shows up in the Batman movie, David Dastmalkin, you know this guy? He's like, uh, he's in the Dark Knight. He's the guy who uh, is posing as a cop. He plays creeps in every movie. Isn't he in Ant-Man and the Wasp? In Ant-Man? He does play in Ant-Man. Not as a creep. But, yeah. Right. Um, I think the true star of this movie is Jake Gyllenhaal. The cop he plays is so What's the cop's conflicted. Name? Uh, Does he have a cool name? Detective Loki. That's right. Loki. He's great. He. This is maybe one of his best movies. And I'm a big fan of Jake. But awesome, awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. Yeah, I uh, I also loved Prisoners. Not on my list, but um, I when I saw it, I was like, "Holy cow!" Just the you same thing. Need to rewatch it. I probably do need to rewatch it. It's been a long time, and Denise one of my faves. So um, yeah, I definitely need to check that out. <coughs> my number twenty six is the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is another uh, Wes Anderson movie. Yep. Um, same thing with this one, where I I love this movie. It's a great movie, but whenever I'm done watching it, I don't really remember what I saw. So I remember. You got hit in the head with a hammer? Or? I guess, I guess. Okay. There's like, because I saw, I don't think I saw it in theaters. I, I definitely think, did. I, I know you it, did. At least twice. I remember if I did. But I, I've seen a bunch too. I own the movie. Like, I love this movie. It's such a well-made movie. The hotel bit. Ralph, Ray, Ralph Fiennes. Ray, is it Ray or Ralph? Ray or Ralph Fiennes. Uh, Ray Fiennes. Whichever of the two brothers it was in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Stevie thought that Ray Fiennes was like two different people. This for is a the, fun little, uh. Why don't you share the story real quick? This is a fun little tidbit for everyone. I I thought, because Ray Fiennes, his name is spelt Ralph, but it's pronounced Ray or Rafe, I don't know. Um, I thought it was two guys. I thought there were two brothers, one named Ray Fiennes and one named Ralph Fiennes. (laughs) And so whenever I'd hear Ray Fiennes, I was like, oh, it's that brother. And then when I saw it written as Ralph, I was like, oh, it's the other brother. (laughs) Kind of a Penn and Teller situation. Yeah, it took me a long time. To figure that out, and it's just such a bizarre thing that I went through trying to figure that. I still don't understand why it's pronounced Rafe or Ray, but mm-hmm. is that movie on your list? Which one? Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. It's not. Uh, what? Just because there's so many good Wes Anderson movies, and it's like I didn't want to clog it up with too many. I have Moonrise really high on the list. Oh, okay. I love okay. Grand That's Budapest. Hey, it's, it's fair. I was questioning it too because I'm like. Well, I don't remember a lot. Should I even put it on this list? But it's like I keep giving it a ten whenever I see it. It's yeah. so good. I probably need to rewatch it. I love I'm the sure prison break. That prison break was great. Yep. When they're going to all the different uh, hotel concierges. Adrian with... Brody has a great role, even though it's very short. What was his role? He's just like a son at the will reading of the old lady. Oh my goodness, the will reading was so good. That's yeah. right. And he's like, I deserve. I want that painting or, or whatever. Yeah. Boy um, with Apple, right? Yeah, Boy with Apple. That's God. That's right. It's it, a great movie. I yeah. love it. Okay, it's All a right. ten for me. I just didn't make the list. Okay, so here we are, and we're in the second half. This is top twenty-five now. Uh, number twenty-five for me is Waves. Ooh, this is a new, Waves. Twenty nineteen movie. Yeah, I talked about that on one of my prior podcasts. I loved Waves. I thought it was phenomenal. Stevie, let's hear it. Um, man, this movie has maybe one of the most impressive soundtracks that i've seen in a movie in a long time in the sense that i knew all the songs i mean these are songs that i have on my ipod that i play all the time so it felt like it spoke to me in a way that a lot of movies don't 
I mean, it opens with that Floridada song from Animal Collective, and I was immediately like, okay, this is going to be really good. And then, uh, of course, it's, you know, tons of Frank Ocean. There's Kendrick Lamar. Great Kendrick scene, Kanye West Con- song. Oh, I Am that, a God. I Am a God. That's such oh, a great scene. Oh, man. Uh, but the movie itself, if you don't know anything about it, it's, I mean, it reminds me of Malik in the sense that you're kind of just following this family. There's not really a plot. There's obviously big things that happen to these people, but, you know, there's not something that you can follow it's sort of just about you know something big and horrible happens to the family i don't want to give it away because it's yeah for sure really important and then the second half it alex alluded to it earlier when we talked about place beyond the pines you know the focus of the narrative shifts you know you're following one character as the lead and then you follow another character both in the same family and you know the second half is sort of about the family you know repairing itself and healing after this horrible thing that happens and you know, you mix that with really great, you know, color palettes and cinematography. The whole thing's set in Miami. And, you know, that plus this soundtrack that I love, it's just, I mean, such a good experience. I, I It's probably out of theaters by now, but... It wasn't in theaters for long, but yeah. I mean, yeah. you catch it when it comes... It's an A24 movie, and I was going to say, after seeing Uncut Gems today, A24 is having a really good year. I really hope they have a showing at the Oscars, um, especially with some of these... Um, some of the stuff but yeah they're just they're absolutely killing it yeah uh my number 25 is like i said dragon ball super broly um i love this movie i actually saw this movie in theaters twice um i uh and it's it was definitely meant to be seen in theaters this movie is it's essentially just about um goku and it's not even about goku and vegeta it's about broly who's like this other saiyan who was abandoned when he was a kid him and his dad were banished to this terrible planet far away and he's because he was apparently supposed to be the strongest saiyan of all time and the king did not want to have him you know get usurped or whatever he wanted vegeta to be the prince so um you know gets kicked out and then that's like the first whatever and eventually what happens is frieza finds bro like saves broly essentially and they're looking for the dragon balls and they have all of them but one i think is what it is and they show up on earth to get that last dragon ball and broly fights vegeta and goku and that is the last 45 minutes of the movie is just it's almost maybe even an hour it's it's an hour long fight and it is the ultimate anime fight because it is literally vegeta fights broly powers up four different times and then broly i think only powers up once and then goku fights him and powers up four times and then goku and vegeta fight him at the same time and then um and then frieza fights him and powers up once and then goku and vegeta merge and power up four times in their merged form and end up breaking reality in this fight and the only reason and i must it's not that big of a deal it's not like an Oscar type movie in terms of like the, the, he gets saved at the end The these two side characters use the dragon balls to wish Broly away right as they're about to kill him. So that's the end of the movie. It ends on just him disappearing. So it just was such a phenomenal fight. It, like I said, it had me had my attention the entire time I was screaming in my seat. I didn't know what to do with myself because I've never seen as intense a fight as that. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's dragon ball super Broly. And, uh, 
I don't I I that one in my hero I didn't know like where to put it because the movie is listed on IMDb as 2018 but it came out in theaters here in 2019 that was in back in January. So I don't know if that's going to be nominated for anything in terms of like you know best animated film or no, Steve yeah okay. It's not okay. Good. That's fine. That's fine. It's my favorite. It's one of my faves so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Okay. All right, uh, who cares? <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to help help no, you I know, in I terms know. of tempering expectations. No, I am uh, not expecting um, much. 24 for me is Nightcrawler. Ooh, another great Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Yeah, um, sort of, you know, this psychotic guy who wants to—I don't know if he just wants to become famous or he wants to do something with himself—and he starts uh, filming. He wants to be a part of the news team yeah. or something, and he yeah. starts filming crime scenes. And his uh, his sidekick is played by Riz Ahmed, who's. Uh, Really, he plays sort of this great, like, stoner burnout guy who's like, yeah, I'm just here for a job. But, you know, he slowly realizes that Jake Gyllenhaal's character is insane. They all kind of do. And I think it's, uh, is this Rene Russo? Yeah, yeah. It is Rene Russo. I get her confused with, um, who's the other one in Avengers? What's her name? In Avengers? She's the Ant-Man one. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. I get them confused. But that, this one's Rene Russo. That's fair, Um it's really, really cool. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, fantastic performance. Uh, very dark movie, and it's scored in such a way. I know this because it like bothered Harry. The score makes it's like, almost like from his perspective because it makes everything seem fine and triumphant. Yeah, like it's good music, but what he's doing is horrible. Oh my god! Yeah. And Renee Russo at the news is enabling it because, as she says, if it bleeds, it leads. So if you got this footage, give it to me. Like I'm your in. And man, I need to watch this movie again. Dan Gilroy is the director. He also did the um, Velvet Buzzsaw movie that came out this oh, year. Nice. Same two actors. Um, but I have done Nightcrawlers on my Prime account. Like I have the digital copy, so you okay. can watch it. Well, I have it on Blu-ray. Oh, wonderful. yeah. Nice. But uh, really, really great movie. I, that's not on your list, is it? No, it's not. But it it deserves it up there. That was the same thing. I remember I, Stevie had 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 some high praises for it, and I was like, all right, you know, let's. What's this Gyllenhaal Hall about? And and uh, I same thing. I was like, wow, wow, like that. It's, it's, it's shocking. It is. He does a such a good job of being. And I, wasn't there another movie that remember we were like, oh, this has got a lot of Nightcrawler vibes to it. It was some other serial killer type trying to be normal in society. I don't know. I I, I tend to think of Nightcrawler whenever it's some movie about you know the media in the sense of oh right, you know, right, right. What, maybe that's what, what it was. journalists are willing to do to get a story i mean he's not like a journalist it's, but you know right. it's just kind of but right it's the same thing of yeah. like people people don't care they care about the story more than they care about what's actually happening they just they want to be shocked people want to be shocked that's that's our society yeah that was your number 24 yeah uh mine was isle of dogs so okay. we discussed that that was my 24 Great. stevie number 23 23 was other guys which we discussed very nice mine so is uh once upon a time in hollywood Ooh, that will come up for me at number very 13. nice uh great movie i uh i think and we're getting to the point now where these ones um that you can check i have a pod podcast episode on once upon a time in hollywood so um love that movie thought it was great i'd, I'd say the only bugger about it is probably just that there's a lot of scenes of just driving but the more i think about it you're complaining about that. i know and that's what i'm saying that's it's like that's my only complaint but whenever i think about that movie that's the only parts i remember is like just them cruising to the best soundtrack it was so good 
So yeah, I've actually grown to like that movie a lot. It's a very relaxed. I mean, until obviously the last, and I think a, a lot of it's meant a lot to of people are put way. off by that because it doesn't have the sort of bombastic writing and violence that a lot of Tarantino's movies do. But I I think this is like a late career masterpiece for him because it's you know it's very much about him aging as you know a director and about you know his stars like Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio who are both kind of you know they're in different phases but they're both kind of aging out of being you know the hot hollywood movie star and so they're all kind of addressing this while making a movie about it and you know all the stuff the revisionist history with sharon tate is great because mm-hmm. it's tethered to you know the real story in a great way i uh, i just before i saw the movie for the first time i had just read wikipedia about the tate murders and it was crazy how much you know, from that was coming up, like things would happen. I'd be like, Oh, this is exactly that. You know, yeah. the fact that uh, Manson came by the house like months early and all this stuff. And then the way he just changes everything at the end is so satisfying. It was, it was awesome too. Cause we were get. I don't, I'm, I'm sure you mentioned it too, but I just remember when they're like coming up to the house, I was just like, no, yeah. like, no, yeah. I don't want to see this. And then, like, boom, like, the complete it's opposite. So fun. And it's so I, uh I bought this one recently. I need to rewatch it already. But it's so good, and the soundtrack's so good. I think I've decided, because I know it's an inevitability, because right now I think I have I have a just a Blu-ray that you gave me of um, uh, Django. Right. And I don't think I have any other of his movies. I really? Own, I don't own any of his others. Wow. But I know for a wow. fact, and you guys know this, you know society, there's going to be a 4K Blu-ray box set once his last movie comes out. Because he's only got one more he's doing. So once, he, once that comes out, you know they're going to make a box set of the Blu-ray, and I will spring for that. I think I have every Tarantino. Because I would like to have them all in 4K. I'm sure it'll be beautiful. I have most of them on Blu-ray. Ugh, yeah, wow. What was that on your list? That was, for me, 13. 13, okay, cool. All right, number 22. For me, 22 is Hereditary. Ooh, that was another, no, that oh, wasn't, that was another one that was, like, right okay. gonna make the list. Okay, so. Hereditary is so good. When I rewatched Hereditary, I had to bump it up to a 10, because Maybe it I need is, to rewatch it. It is truly one of the most horrifying movies. It's uh, so scary. Not just, you know, there's some supernatural stuff going on. And that's well done and scary, but it's just like the family stuff going on that's so horrifying. And this is something, you know, having seen Midsummer now too, that seems to be something that Ari Aster is really interested in exploring, you know, because a lot a lot of this movie is dealing with the death of the daughter, which is horrifying, and then the family just kind of coming apart at the seams. Midsummer's, you know, also kind of about you know family dying, and it, it's different, but. Hereditary is just crazy because it combines so many different things that I love about horror movies into a really, really great family story, but also it sort of devolves into this extreme supernatural stuff at the end. He really goes back, well, not even back and forth, but it's like, first the movie's about this, then it's about this, then it's, and I yeah. was totally down for that. And that it's whole bit, super tense. That whole bit after you know the, the daughter dies when he goes home is just it's unreal unreal horrible horrible it's movie horrible. but so good it's so good it's, it's one yeah. i honestly when Man, I, I should put it, that on my list i think i probably will put i was that on watching my list. this late at night with harry and i think he fell asleep after about an hour or so 
And I, I don't know, I must have made it another 20 minutes and was like, I don't think I can finish this alone by myself in my house at this late this late hour. So I was like, I'm going to finish this. Yeah, tomorrow. that's why I've been holding off on <laughs> because it. Because it's, it's, just... it's scary. It is a scary movie. Freaking nuts. Another shout out. That's another eight. A twenty four has. I would argue. They know what they're doing. This decade, I, you've got probably two different sides of of a coin for this for Hollywood. You've got the big blockbusters, and you've got the in, small indie films. And I would say, for for the two thousand for the tens this decade, the big blockbuster studio was Marvel Studios, and for independence, I would say that it was A twenty four. Yeah, just looking back through some of mine, you know, Farewell was A twenty four. The Witch was A twenty four. Yep. Um, uh, waves. waves. Um, well, Hereditary. we're about to talk. Well, I just knocked out of my list, but we're about to talk about another um, A twenty two for you. This is number twenty two for me. It's another A twenty four movie. Number twenty two, Moonlight. Ooh, that is number three for me. Wow. Um, I tell you what, I'm gonna. I'll talk briefly about it, but I, I'm looking forward to your thoughts on it since you've got it so high on your list. I loved Moonlight. I we went and saw that landmark. With Andrew, and it was Andrew, Andrew Alden, Alden and yep. Lisa. And, Lisa, too. Yep. And all, I, I think every single one of us just were like, yep, that's a 10. That was awesome. Uh, the fact that the movie was broken up into three different parts, the uh, the color scheme of everything kind of uh, moonlighting off of his face, where it's like, oh, expertly lit. Made him look, expertly lit, made him look purple and blue was just, oh. The Mahershal Ali carrying him in the water. The whole him kind of trying to figure himself out in the third act, you know, trying to reconnect with that kid. And even in the second act, him kind of falling in love with that kid and them kissing on the beach, like all of it was just so, so powerful. It was a, it was a, something that I don't think I've ever seen on film before, before that, where it was like a story about a black gay man that is uh, just like, I don't know, it really hit my heartstrings. I, I've, not only for like, wow, this is a really sweet love story, but at the same time of like, this is so sad that there's so many people like him out there that I have to, you know, keep this a secret, not even a secret from others, but sort of a secret from himself too, right. of like, I don't understand what I'm feeling. I, this doesn't seem right. Like this is, and having to deal with Naomi Harris, his wife, his mom, mom yeah. uh, was just insane, like really tough. But I, I don't, I mean, it's funny. I haven't seen it since the theaters. But I still remember almost all of it. I watched it at least the once. There's those um, bits where it would flash like red on the screen. Yep. Oh, uh, really great you know he would have these slow-mo shots of people's faces yeah and fa- oh and yeah uh really incredible score by nicholas Breitel. Mm-hmm. um there's a lot of scenes in here that reminded me of like tree of life for terrence malick because yeah. you know just yeah. watching people living and doing stuff and barry jenkins really um that that movie that was one of those ones where it's like oh it's Barry Jenkins now. Like this is a Barry Jenkins movie. Yeah, and you know he that did that same thing in Beale Street. At, uh, Beale, if Beale of Street could people's talk. People's faces and and again in terms of just you know the lighting and the uh, cinematography is so unique to him. And I mean the dialogue too, the crispness of it. To me, that's I would argue that that's my favorite or maybe the best best picture winner. Which is crazy because so I'm saying that over The Godfather. I'm saying yeah, that over wow. a lot of movies. I just. I really, really love that movie, and it's so—I mean, it's so specific to, you know, the experience of—I mean, Barry Jenkins is from Miami. Uh, Terrell, I think it's Terrell Alvin McCraney or something, is the guy who wrote the screenplay. Um, it's such a specific story, but it feels like there's a lot of universal appeal. I mean, it's so recognizable. It's not just about, 
you know, him being gay, but also about him, you know, trying to be a man. And, you know, a lot of it's about yeah. masculinity and what does that look like? You know, how how is my sexuality going to affect that as I grow up? And, man, it's just, it's really, really, really special movie. It is an incredibly special movie. And it's, to me, I don't, I mean, it's, I think it'll be a long time since we see another, like, art movie win Best Picture. That's a good point. I mean, Moonlight was unless rather quickly followed by... <laughs> Moonlight was pretty quickly followed by Green Book as a Best Picture winner. That's so, got to be the biggest drop in quality. I don't think it was year of... like back to back. Oh no, it, it no, no Shape Green... Shape of Water. Yeah, we talked was, about this. Yeah, it was like it was a slow decline. It was a slow decline. Moonlight, Shape of Water, and then Green Book. So, knowing my luck this year, it's gonna be like Stuber or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's probably not gonna be Stuber. But... No, of course. But not. yeah, it's gonna be what's what's it? It's gonna be like Ford v Ferrari or something. Well, that was, that was no, better than no, Green but Book. not a Best Picture. It's no, no, no. It does yeah, not deserve yeah. to be Best Picture. Uh, Moonlight. Okay. They definitely got it right on that. Yeah. one Yeah. All right, number twenty-one. I think we've got the same here Do for we? twenty-one. What's your twenty-one? This is Only God Forgives. Yeah, this Only God Forgives. Ryan Gosling, number six wow. on my list. And I want to point out because Alex loves to say, and he's probably said it on here, that I always like the movies that the critics hate right yeah you love to tell me that i love movies that the critics hate this is the only movie on my list that has a red marking really? for metacritic and you also have it at the same spot i know so who's the real freak here i uh i feel like this is something for another podcast i'm getting i'm getting put into a corner this time <laughs> this tiger's gonna strike i've been thinking about this for a while but uh no that's true that's funny let me see how many are on mine this is Nicholas. This is you. Nicholas. Wait, are all of yours green or some of them yellow? Green or yellow. There's okay. yellow. Okay, fair this enough. This is the only fair red. Uh, Nicholas Winding or Winding Refn. Uh, yeah, it's the only one for me, he's too. He's one of the best directors out right now. Such a singular style of filmmaking. Uh, the way he uses light and color is extraordinary, especially in this movie. He's like a bit of a Malick, a bit of a D- Villeneuve sort yeah, of. Yeah, very. He's an abstract. This is very abstract. This is arguably his most abstract movie. Um, He's done Neon Demon. He did, he did Drive, uh, which Drive. we're both going to get to. Oh, my God. That's uh, right. Valhalla Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got this show on Amazon that I only watched the first episode of. It's called uh, Too Old to Die Young. But Oh, that's right. I saw it's it. It's like 10 movies because each episode is like that's 90 so minutes. Uh, but Only God Forgives is crazy. It's about um, Ryan Gosling. Is, he, he trains fighters in Thailand. And his brother is also with him, but his brother's like a junkie, and I think he ends up killing a prostitute or something. And this cop is just trying to trace him down and figure it out. And the cop is pretty much just, I think there's a great piece of IMDb trivia where uh, the only thing, one of the only things that Refn told the actor who played the cop, he just would like whisper in his ear and say, you are God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's bizarre to think about because in this movie he's just like the one force of good that's like trying to eradicate whatever they are whatever these brothers are and then you've got um uh, ryan gosling's mom who's insane that she, she comes into the picture psycho that's Kristen scott thomas it's uh, just it's it is a, a bizarre movie and if you ever watch it you'll probably hate it but watch it again. Yeah, I, I'll, and I'm speaking from experience, yeah. I hated it when I first watched it. I was like, this is so dumb. And then I watched it again and again, and I'm like, this movie is incredible. This it's, movie is it's so nuts. good. It is. You've got to just go into it with a, a, you know, a clear state of mind of what you're – like I said, it's a lot of slow pans and weird like what, 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 what? Like there's a – that means a karaoke scene. That karaoke scene with the cop is crazy, but then like – 
the, and then and I was then about the one where there's this little kid who's like deformed. He's working. It's like at a junkyard or something, and his dad's being interrogated by this cop. And the cop does this thing where he reaches behind his back and just pulls out like the longest sword. That's right. And just like cuts the guy right in half in front of his son who's just staring at the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, the movie's very violent too. Yeah. It's very violent and bloody. Um, but yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. That's two now. Two we've gotten at the same time. All right, number twenty. Number twenty is Room. Ooh, not on my list. Okay, this is uh, but I love that movie. This is the Brie Larson movie with uh, Jacob Tremblay. Mm-hmm. The story about a girl who's kidnapped and kept in captivity by some psycho, and then you know she has a baby while she's kept there. And uh, the story is the first half is like them in this room. They're like trapped in some shed or whatever, and then they break out. And the second half is, you know, her trying to put together a normal life with her son. It's really, really special. Another, I believe, 824 movie. I could be wrong on that. Uh, You might be right. Uh, But. Does it say? Really fantastic. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it is 824. Yeah, of course it is. And just like like Chittawell Edgefort, you know, and and Brie Larson won that Oscar and she realized, I got to be in a Marvel movie. (laughs) And uh, it's really sad because I feel like a lot of people at this point will only associate Brie Larson. Like, how many Marvel fans do you think have actually seen Room? Uh, great question. Uh, let's take a poll. I have no idea. I've seen Room. I saw it at uh, Alamo Draft this is This is a plea to all of Alex's listeners. I Please! Mean, you guys are probably big comic book fans, probably big fans of Captain Marvel or the Marvel movies. If you haven't seen Room, please see yeah, it. Yeah, right for real, though. That's not, not even joking. If you are a fan of Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, like, you have to see She her deserved right that Oscar, and honestly, Jacob Tremblay should have won an he, Oscar. He sh- 100% should have. They just didn't do it because, you know, that's the Oscars are old now. Yeah, they're not going to give it to a kid. No. Some kid. Right. But they did the Anna Paquin, so. Yeah, well. Okay. Um, my number 20, The Revenant. Ooh, that's coming up on mine. Nice. 14. Uh, 14, The Revenant. Highly anticipated movie. Uh, very anticipated movie, and and uh, even before watching it, I, I knew that was going to be the movie that he, he would get his Oscar for, just because you know so many times you're like, okay, it's going to be this one, and then when the trailer came out for that movie, I was like, same thing, like that just must be my favorite type of filmmaking is like that Inuritu Malik of just beautiful wide. Well, it's not that it's it's Ch- it's Chivo. It's That's, he's, yeah, it's Chivo. For Chivo sure. is the link between all of these. He's the cinematographer, but Emmanuel Lubezki. This movie just eh, it's it's a powerful movie. It's a strong movie. Like it's very simple. It's though. a very simple movie. You're right. Yeah, it's very simple. It's all about being out in the wilderness. Like you love nature movies. This is the perfect nature movie. You got your bear attack, but at the same time, obviously there's some tough things like uh, t- checking out like. Uh, uh, Leonardo's teeth and like mouth are so but then you like read the trivia and it was like they actually were in British Columbia knee deep in the snow he was and actually eating liver I think yeah like he was going all out for this movie and they're like trust us like if you do these things you will win they the filmed it in, up in Canada but then when the season shifted they had to finish filming in South America that's right because it was no longer winter up there but it was winter down there Oh, that's crazy. Another bit of trivia. I think almost the entire movie is natural lighting. That is correct. There is maybe one scene where it's like candles or something or lanterns, but the rest of it's natural light. Which is just phenomenal. And the score is so good. So too. good. It I, deserved uh, it, it. Did it win? It didn't win Best it Picture. It didn't win though. Best Picture. What beat it? Uh, Spotlight. Come on. Spotlight, yeah, uh, Moonlight. Leonardo, uh, yeah, directing and cinematography. Good. Chivo got it. So that's great. Yeah, that's my number 20. 
Okay. Uh, 19 for me is MacGruber, which we already talked on. So. Great. Mine is The Lighthouse. Oh, okay. yeah. Dude, let me go. The Lighthouse, if any of you have not seen it. Uh, same thing. I uh, went into huge detail on The Lighthouse in a prior podcast. Um, did not think that it was going to be on this list, but I saw it again and gave it a 10 and got to put it on this list. I love this movie. I lo- It's an A24 movie. It's one of those again. one of those creepy. It's kind of like I, I should have put it on here, but a ghost story, um, which was the one with Ben Affleck. Ooh, or not Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck. Casey, yeah. And that was also a twenty four. Same thing, filmed Rimara. on a, a, a different film aspect, aspect ratio. ratio yep. But um, that movie's haunting, by the way, and Kesha's in it. I, I, I should have put that on this list, but um, but yeah, the lighthouse is just it's a feat as well. Like all in black and white, filmed just on this island with just Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, they both knock it out of the park. I really hope I see some Oscars for this one as well. It's, it should get nominated for stuff. I think it will. I really, really hope it did because it's not going to... It didn't get any... Like, zero A24 for Golden Globes. Oh, well, Golden Globes are... They're idiots. And yeah. I think for the most part, they're playing into the whole, ooh, Netflix is the new frontier of films. That's why they... Let's just get on it now. Friggin' two popes and... We gotta watch that, though. Yeah, whatever. Okay. That's two. Uh, that's one too many pope. There's only about one pope at a time. That's sorry. right. Okay. So what is your number 18? 18 is 12 Years a Slave. Perfect. So My 18 is Arrival. All right. Back to me. 17. Here we go. I've been waiting to get my girl on the list. We got Kristen Stewart. Ooh, Finally. What is it? Personal Shopper. Yes! Personal Shopper's not on my list, okay. but it should be. Personal Shopper is insanely good. So good. Directed by Olivier Assayas. Yeah, uh, he's a French director. This is the second movie he's done with Kristen Stewart. First being Clouds, First being of, Clouds Sils of Sils Maria, for which she won the César. Only the second American actor to win yep. that award after Adrian Brody and The Pianist. Uh Personal Shopper is about um, this this young woman who is working in France as a personal shopper for this big celebrity. So Kristen Stewart plays Maureen. She's the personal shopper who is working for this. I don't know if she's like a singer or she might just be a model, but her job is essentially to buy and pick up, um, you know, her outfits and everything. But she's also a medium. And she's trying to reconnect with her brother, her twin brother, who died recently from some kind of heart complications. And it is just a very, very cool movie. Um, very low-key, almost a horror movie. It felt there's, like it in There's some a lot of ghost sure. stuff. There's a lot of, you know, tension, a lot of, like, kind of scary moments. But uh, very, very satisfying ending. Uh, really great acting. I, Kristen Stewart's my favorite. Unfortunately, this is the only movie from her on this list. Yeah. Uh, Adventureland is 2009, of course. Oh, bummer. Damn. Be like well, two. Uh, this is a comics and cinema first. I have deleted My Hero Academia to Heroes. As wow. I was saying it, I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't have a lot to talk about in this movie. Like, <laughs> why is this on my decades list? It has now been replaced by Personal Shopper. At, so at personal, the same slot. Personal Shopper is number 28. Love to see it. Yeah, love to see it. So, really, really good movie. Really great movie. It's, yeah, I, I think just it's on Netflix right now. It so. is, it is. The maybe, scene, maybe turn off the podcast. <laughs> turn, turn off the, this podcast. Go on, Netflix. <laughs> go on Netflix and watch these movies. What was that number what for you? That's 17. My 17 was The Vich. So, okay. Um, there we go. Number 16, Under the Skin. Ooh. Don't know if it's on your list. No, it's not. This is... Uh, you like that movie way more than me. I love this movie. And honestly... I probably need to see it again. I'm seeing this on a lot of critics' like top movies of the decades, which... I mean, it 
I, it's not like I need critics to feel justified, but I like to see. Yeah, you love to see. I like to see people saying, "Yeah, this movie is insanely good." Because I thought I saw a ton of people saying it wasn't. Well, I it was Maybe also was on the... somebody's top ten overrated movies of the yeah. year, which I'm like, "All right, come on." Okay. Right. Um, but under the skin, movie. Scarlett Johansson is a twenty four. Yes, this is one of the earliest a twenty four movies. Scarlett Johansson is an alien who. You know, she takes the form of, I guess, Scarlett Johansson, whatever the alien is. It's like this black, formless kind of creature, yeah. but kind of humanoid. Um, takes the form of Scarlett Johansson, and she's in, I think it's Ireland or Scotland or something. Yeah. She's kind of driving around just luring people into her van. and Like then drunk men, basically. Yeah, and eventually taking them back to her house and walking them into this pit of, like... The void. It's some void. It's an abyss. Where she, like, walks on top of the water goo or whatever it is, and they start walking down into it, and they can't stop because they're enticed by her. She's, like, stripping She's off She's a clothes. siren, yeah. And they get, like, engulfed in this void and then just start decompressing and, you know, contorting into, like, ribbons. And I guess that's how she feeds either herself... Or maybe some greater being, whatever it is. We never know. We never know, yeah. It's a very, very cool sort of alien invasion movie. Totally unique. Uh, I mentioned um, Mika Levi, who did the score for uh, Jackie. She also did the score for Under the Skin. That's right. Under the Skin score is insane. And the opening of the movie might be one of the best openings of like any movie, period. It's so abstract and so just arresting. The way, you know, the different visuals and the sounds, because it's like her kind of starting to learn how to talk, like, bup, 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 like talking. Oh, that's right, yeah. There's like shots of ants and stuff. It's amazing. It, yeah. It's I got It's such a unique movie and definitely worth it. See, and guys, that's what I'm saying. That, and you don't ever feel shamed for this, but like, I, I think about these movies and I remember them and I'm like, crap, like that should have been on my list. That's why I hate making these lists. Yeah. Like, there's so many good movies out there right now for people to watch. Um, that's, that was, I think that's also on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Usually, so I would the, go watch most of too. the A twenty four movies you can find either on Netflix or Amazon. Like if they're not on Netflix, they're on Amazon, and if they're not on Amazon, they're on Netflix. A twenty four I think has a deal going with both of them. Uh, was that your sixteen? Yep. My sixteen was Sicario. Okay. So oh, that's pretty high. Um, yeah, I loved that movie. I don't think I said much about it, but we actually, if you remember that that movie. We went. We were gonna go see it at like five or something, and we go the in. The theater was flickering. The theater the was light the light was flickering. Projector. Was like broken, and so we didn't want to get a. a Nobody else seemed procedure. to care. <laughs> no one else seemed to care. I always end up being the only person that says something in theaters. But so we literally left, went back to my house, hung out at the house for like an hour or something, and then went and saw the next showing. But it was just that movie. The soundtrack in that movie is. I bought the vinyl on that one and was like, wow, I just, this was so good. Really good. Yeah. Okay, number 15. That was, okay, 15 is Burning. Ooh, nice. This is a Korean film by uh, Chang Dong Lee or Lee Chang Dong. Uh, this is such a, such a cool movie. It's sort of, um, I'm not going to call it a murder mystery, but it's a mystery. Um, this young guy. He sort of reconnects with a girl he went to school with who she's kind of living this bizarre city life. He He's sort of a country boy. He lives out uh, in the country with his dad and he sort of, you know, starts developing a relationship with her. Uh, she goes on a trip to, uh, I think, South Africa, somewhere in Africa, and he's watching her cat while she's gone. She comes back with um, a friend who's played by Stephen Yoon, who's you probably recognize from a lot of American things. But um, 
he's kind of this super rich guy who lives downtown in Seoul, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's just this really cool movie, kind of contrasting, you know, different class, you know, stratospheres. But then, you know, something happens to the girl. We don't know what. She kind of disappears, and yeah. you know, the the guy's trying to figure out kind of what happened. If you know, if this dude had something to do with it, and he's like super slick. And kind of conniving, so you have no idea. And by the end of it, you still don't know what happened to it. Yeah, they never answer it. You never but know. But it's, I mean, the score in that movie is really good. Yep. And it's just, I mean, a very engaging thriller the whole way through that I love because we don't get any answers. And there's a lot of great, you know, symbolism and imagery throughout that kind of leads you, like the whole thing with the cat. We don't know if the cat exists. And she does That's some right, stuff yeah. with, like, pantomiming about, you know, she, I'm trying to remember the the she's line. Like doing, she's like, doing like something with a tangerine, and, and she, she says, yeah. "You know, the trick isn't to pretend that it's there; it's to forget that it's not there." And that kind of, to me, that kind of fits in with the whole thing about her disappearing. Maybe she never existed. Well, it's, no, but I think that sort of you know plays into the disappearance. Is like, are people gonna forget that she's not there? I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's wild, though. But also, there's this whole thing about the guy says, oh, I have a hobby of burning greenhouses. And what does he mean by that? Is it literal? You know, we find out as things go along. Maybe that doesn't just mean greenhouses. It's it's a really, really, really cool movie. And um, on that note, too, just to point it out, is Parasite on your list? No. Parasite's not on my list either, but Parasite was a phenomenal movie, and I'll, we'll be talking about it in our, our movies of the year for sure. But... Um, this movie, Burning, Parasite, and Handmaiden are all three have the same central theme of uh, kind of like a class warfare sort of thing of like the differences between rich, the rich and the poor. And they're all kind of done differently in each of the three movies, but Burning does a really good job of that too because the, the guy is, is the super rich, whatever, handsome guy, and he's not handsome and poor. And right. Same thing with like Handmaiden and, and uh, Parasite. But there's just these Korean films, that, and I had said this when we were talking a long time ago, but... Korea just pulled out three great like movies all around that same central theme. I thought it was fantastic. Um, that was fifteen for me. Uh, okay, fifteen, and uh, it's not on my list. But guys, I'll, I'll, on a separate podcast, I'm going to be doing my top movies not in 2019, which is just the top ten movies that I've never seen before that I saw this year that are uh, not that did not come out in 2019. And number four on that list is Burning. Oh, okay. Um, because I saw that this year and it came out last year. But uh, so yeah, great movie. My number fifteen is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Uh, uh, the okay. end to an era. The Avengers Endgame of uh, Harry Potter. I, I mean, honestly, not much to say about that movie. It's just an incredible movie. It's a it's a great ride from start to finish. The uh, the ending, I cry every single time I see it. Just the the whole school stands up to help Harry and. There's, I mean, I don't think there's a single soul on earth that hasn't seen that movie, so there's not much to say in regards to it. But it just had to be up there. Like I said, it's. I loved the Harry Potter movies. I loved the Harry Potter books. Obsessed to that point when I was younger, just reading and reading and rereading. It is a really great finale. Oh, that's 2011. So that might be yeah, the was, only one. That's that the only. Came? No, the only other one or was did part one. Was that 2010? Yes, part one came out in 2010. I guess you have Fantastic Beasts. If you count yeah, that, that's but... not going on this list. Um, wow. I like Fantastic Beasts a lot, but <clears throat> the just crimes not. of Grindelwald. I think putting that movie on a list would classify oh, yeah. as a crime. Of I know. I don't want the magistrate or whatever to come, you know, sure. arrest me. So okay, all right. Number fourteen. Fourteen for me is The Revenant. Okay, which we talked about. All right, my fourteen is Aquaman. 
Interesting. Loved that movie. That okay. was my favorite DC movie. As my favorite DC movie, I just it is very fun. It's, it's fun and then that's why it's just the whole movie is fun. It's just big bombastic fights and stories. The the 4K is insane on this movie. The colors are so bright and beautiful. You got the giant undersea battle. You got um, what's her face, uh, Nicole Kidman. She killed it as uh, his mom. And uh, what are you doing? Just looking ahead to see. Oh, okay. See how many more. I feel like we're finally getting into the Marvel movies. Yeah, we're finally getting into the Marvel movies. At top 15, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, pretty crazy. But no, I love it. I just, it's got, obviously got some hiccups and there's some weird moments in the movie, but it all, in my eyes, can be forgiven because it's just, it's a, it's, to quote a certain filmmaker, it's a theme park ride. Like it's, it is a true theme park ride in in the most funnest way. I really liked Aquaman because it didn't take itself seriously. Yeah, it was like, come on, you're here to have fun. Right, here's a good time. Like, let's see a wide shot of you diving under the ocean while the trench swims around you. Like, and you've got that that flare and you're flying. Like, I like the also the use of music was kind of caught me off guard because it was just like weird songs here and there. There's like that Roy Orbison song when they're. Sort of on like a date in Italy or whatever. Yeah. And then there's also the Depeche Mode song that plays when Manta's like putting together his uniform. Oh, yeah. And those scenes just blew me away. Like I was laughing, but having a great time because it was like, yeah. Like this feels like it's a movie lost in time. It's like a Rise of Skywalker in that same sense of like it was just a fun. Like, this is what you want from your comic book movies. You want it to be big, you want it to be fun. It feels almost like it was made in a vacuum because. It seems like it's not taking much influence at all from the rest of the course of like superhero movies and like anything that. in the DC movies either. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple little bits from Justice League, but that's about it. Like, it's yeah, that's I a just, good one. I loved it. I loved it. All right, number thirteen. Thirteen for me was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. So I get to talk some Let's more about Thor Ragnarok. We're number we're thirteen. In this, we're back in the amusement park. Um, also, though, I just talked about Thor Ragnarok on the uh, Phase Three Part One of the Infinity Saga and Me, which you guys can find on my um, on my prior podcast. So I won't say too much on this, other than again, one one of my favorite Marvel movies. It it really. And I'm excited to kind of hear your thoughts on these because you were required to talk about these. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah, I can do um, that. I just really thought that the reason it's on this list too is not only was it really funny, Taika Waititi just made an ama- incredible movie, but it really changed the trajectory for Thor. And it made me now want, like after seeing Dark World, I know you love Dark World for you know God knows what reason. I don't but think I'd love it anymore if I watched it again. Probably not. Yeah. But um, but then watching this, like after Dark World, I was like, I don't, I think I'm good on Thor. Like I'm kind of nervous for a third Thor movie. But then when I saw this movie, I was like, I need another Thor trilogy. Like I need three Thor movies. Yeah. So I just and I didn't know. The if thing is, the like when I think of ratings, I think technically the Dark World would be my highest rated of the three Thors. Right. But I don't really have the energy to watch it again to find out if it dropped. Yeah. And it probably would. But I did like this Ragnarok. I agree that it was funny, and that was a good change of pace because a lot of the Marvel movies do the same humor that I mentioned. It was that Taika humor. But yeah, he brought a, a different sense of humor that I think worked. Um, I liked that we got we got to sort of isolate just a couple of characters from the Avengers because one of my biggest gripes with those movies is that there's so many characters that it's very unfocused and we don't you know get to spend a lot of time with anybody. Right. But here we got... You know, Thor and Hulk. Hulk. And I think that, you know, developing those two characters in a movie worked well instead of cramming it with a ton of others. Um, I think my biggest complaint, and you kind of hit on it as a positive, but I didn't like the fact that, you know, even though I did like that the movie was funny, I feel like they kind of positioned Thor now as a funny character 
which seemed too far afield because you know his whole shtick for two movies is like he's this foreign guy that doesn't really understand you know he's kind of like drax you know where he doesn't really have a sense of humor he's just right. kind of reacting to things and now you know with ragnarok and post ragnarok like endgame suddenly he's like a comedic relief character which to me is unnecessary because there's already enough comedic relief characters sure. in the marvel but I, I do think it was pretty good. No, and I, I think that's a completely valid point. My take on that, though, is I think he is more of now, like, that's part of his personality because he's been around the other characters is how I've taken it. Is like, I guess. yeah, he was a foreigner, but now he's been kind of assimilated into the group, maybe picked on a, on a couple of things. But at the same time, like I said, it's like if that's they're the kind case, of revamping then, the character. If that's the case, then Avengers itself is a vortex that kind of pulls everybody into the same sense of humor. Exactly, and right. Well, and that's the same Making as, the uh, movies less enjoyable to me as they go. That's the argument that I have for Scarlet Witch, too, because people don't like that she doesn't have an accent anymore, that the accent comes and goes. And I'm like... But that's because she's part of like a group of people who speak only English now. Many, like, has she been in more than the one she's or two been movies? In, she was in Age of Ultron, you can't Civil like count War. Games, even Age, though, right. I mean, Age anybody of, died in... Age of Ultron, Endgame, and... Um, or what? Uh, Infinity War. She's in Infinity War. Well, I, I'm or, saying you uh, can't Civil really count War. She's Endgame. in Civil War. Captain America Civil War. Okay. So, um, but yeah, so that's... Yeah, but Thor, I thought it was great. Because, yeah, I had, and I had a beef when I was talking on the, the thing about Drax was like... To me, Drax's his humor switch from the beginning was just I couldn't believe like didn't like that. But the way that they did Thor, I thought I really liked. I was like I can get used to this because then even at the end of Avengers Endgame, he's kind of tampered that now. Like his whole family's dead, all this stuff has happened to him, and now he's more of like a he kind of yeah, knows who he wants to be. He's now. still doing the whole. He's got the whole Big Lebowski setup. Right, for the but that was great. And then even with his mom, where he's like, oh, I'm I'm nervous. Blah blah blah. What if she doesn't want to? It's like, come on, man. Like it just doesn't seem like how his character talks. Mm. But whatever. That's fair enough. All right, number th- uh, twelve. Twelve for me is Minding the Gap. Minding the Gap is that a movie that or is, is that a documentary? That is a documentary. Interesting. I don't play by the whatever rules say that's that fine. a documentary doesn't count. That's fine because I actually saw Minding the Gap. Okay. I really liked that because Apollo Eleven is going to be in my movies of the year. Oh, interesting. It okay. might not be top ten, but uh, Minding the Gap is a documentary. It's on Hulu. I think it's a Hulu it original. Is. Yeah. Um, it's about uh, like a little friend group of skateboarders in Illinois. And it kind of follows them. This is, you know, the director is one of the three guys. And, you know, he kind of just filmed him and his buddy skating because there seems to be an escape crew. There's always somebody who's filming right. you know, yeah, tricks and stuff course. so you can send it out for demo tapes. But he's also kind of making this documentary about, you know, his childhood and the same with his friends and kind of exploring the parallels in their lives, you know, about sort of, you know, the fractured relationships that they've had with their fathers and then sort of how that changes them and how they grow up as adults. It's so, so unique. And it's, I mean... It's really sad, too, It's sad, but it's just so awesome to see... I mean, just like some skater kids making a movie that's this good is just mind-blowing. It's a really genuine, really genuine... It's so cool. And, I mean, I felt a connection because I skateboard loosely. um, But I was friends with some, like, skateboarding kids in high school, too. And I imagine that, you know, it seems like some of the stuff that happened to these guys would have been the same for this guy and it's just man it's it's a very uh it's a very uh emotional movie yeah documentary whatever you want to call it especially that i i know obviously the main character is the guy filming but the main one that they were focusing on the guy who had a girlfriend and they had Zach, a kid yeah, i think his name was Zach. that was that whole thing was really sad because it was like so the way that they like 
you'd see them like getting along in one scene and then the next scene they're yelling and fighting at each other and it was just and like, it, oh. it plays into the whole idea that the other two guys you know were kind of abused by their father figures yeah, and all this too. stuff it's it's really really cool they, it, it was nice to see young people like that not afraid to go deep especially in front of a camera like right. to share those sort of things about but not themselves. even i mean in a lot of points not even trying to go deep i mean it's just the matter of the way you know the way everything's framed and sequenced by the director i think bing Lu's his name yeah, uh, it's just it's a really really thought provoking and very yeah, mature there's documentary. There's a scene where he's interviewing his mom. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Why didn't you stop him from like hurting me?" She's like, "I'm so sorry." So, I love it. It's so good. Well, on that note, my number twelve is Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. <laughs> I I like that one. Though, is that so. on your list? No. But... Oh wow. Um, no. So I uh, I got to see that movie a pre release with my cousin Cameron when we were out in Texas. Uh, just an incredible movie. I uh, I loved it. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie, and um, great animated movie. The animation is crazy. The fact that they like put Miles in a lower frame rate than the other heroes because he has less training was awesome. Like a really cool touch. Um, all of the different spy like it's. I loved the Spider-Verse storyline in uh, the comics. So just to get to see that on screen, to get to see, I loved Miles, Go- Spider Gwen, uh, Spider-Man Noir. And um, there's oh you get to briefly see Spider-Man 2099, but then um, there's just oh, man, so many great characters. The story was awesome. The the kind of twist on the origin story where it was his, his uncle dies and gets shot, but his uncle is a bad guy versus Uncle Ben being a good guy. Like it just so many great things about that movie has it up there on the list. It's just it's one of those movies where if it's ever on, I'm gonna be watching it or like I'm gonna seek out to watch it because it's just such an easy movie to watch. I agree with pretty much everything other than the placement on the list, but uh, I really enjoyed that movie too. I think it might be my favorite Spider-Man as well. Uh, yeah, really good animation, very uh, fun movie. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really have anything negative that could be said about it. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was certainly one of the strongest. I think you considered a superhero movie, right? I mean, Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's so just an animated one. one. I mean, that probably would be in like top five of the decade for me or so for animated movies or for a superhero movies. oh for superhero movies yeah, yeah for sure oh, oh yeah yeah i mean it is for list. me it's uh number four i'd say of superheroes uh yeah okay all right uh number 11 11 for me is moonrise kingdom nice we already talked okay we discussed number 11 for me captain america civil war okay uh, and again, discuss that on the uh, Infinity Saga, Saga and Me. That's in uh, Phase Two of that movie. But same thing. I mean, it's just it's a, an Avengers movie that isn't an Avengers movie. It's a Captain America movie that isn't a Captain America movie. But it it just everything about it is great. The directors killed it. The writers killed it. The the action scenes were amazing. The quiet scenes were amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have enough good things to say about it. Obviously, you can listen to that podcast to find out. I remember liking this movie. I don't really. This was the movie that got me kicked off Movie Pass. Oh, really? Do you remember? Because I had like pre-ordered those. Tickets. I do remember that. I I don't remember much about what happens in that movie. It's the one where I um, I remember the big register. airport fight. Right. Um, I feel like it had probably a lot of humor I didn't like. Uh, it was actually a little lighter on humor than than. I don't ones. I don't know. Some of these blend together. Unfortunately, yet this this is an example of the fatigue is I have very little rem- like memory of that movie at all. I understand the basic concept of like, okay, it was Captain America versus Iron Man on what's the right course of action. 
and then I remember a big showdown fight, and I know that that's, I think that was the first Ant Man appearance. Right. In another movie from well no he was in Ant Man oh and then he was that? in Civil War was that the first of the new Spider Man appearance new Spider Man and new Black Panther okay yeah I can't really say much that's fine don't, that's fine <laughs> it's funny because I remember everything about all the Marvel movies but you don't remember much about many and I'm wondering if that's that same thing where you can go oh you know when when does superhero fatigue set in when does Star Wars fatigue set in it's like I think it's different for everybody I think for some it's probably already set in and for others it's never gonna set in so right. I think. It's a just it's, I guess it's an how engaged you are with the material itself, exactly. and I am not. So to me, it's just movie by movie. Yeah, whether I like it or not. Um. Right? So the next movie I know we kind of this is our number tens. We are kind of right. We're on number ten. Yeah. Yeah. We we're kind of kind of talking about it, but let me see if I can. Wait, wait. I, isn't mine first? I know, but I, I know you kind of wanted to know what my number ten was, and yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. My number 10 was Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> but uh, go ahead, Stevie. So my number Ooh. 10 is Annihilation. Is this on your list? Yeah, it's on my list. Okay. It's number 8. Okay, thank God. Uh, Annihilation. Thank God. I have it thank higher God. on my list. Well, that's great. Uh, Annihilation <laughs> is one of the best sci-fi movies I've ever seen. It's so... I'll second that. I'll drink to that. It's so crazy. I, the... I think it's like the last half hour is just unbelievable. So if you listen to our Star Wars podcast, I I mentioned in there that when I watched Rogue One, I got about 20 minutes in and was like, I don't care at all. I need to get out of this now. Right. And so I was in my basement and it was like, I need to cleanse my palate. I need to watch a good movie to remember what good movies are. No. Like, that's how much Rogue One stained me. So I put in Annihilation and was blown away as as expected it's just it combines a lot of to me it reminds me a bit of you know tarkovsky's sci-fi films which yeah. are stalker and solaris in terms of the setup of having you know the zone where all this stuff is happening and you know it kind of changing people to you know different things and unrecognizable things uh, it's another natalie portman movie yeah. got a lot of natalie portman's on the list it sure is, and it's got a it's got a score to to knock your socks. Score out. amazing. Mm-hmm. I actually I don't know. Can I talk a little about Minecraft on this? Is anybody of on the course. podcast listen to Minecraft or play Minecraft? Well, I'm sure. So I recently, uh, I've been getting into modding on Minecraft for. Uh, I'm on Xbox, so it's a little complicated. But uh, I recently did a mod to change the witches in the game to Harrowbrines. Nice. And I made it like the primary sound effect that they make is that thing mm. from Annihilation. Yeah, because I love that so much. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's oh yeah, and I uh, that was one of those rare movies where because I think we all went and saw it at the same time. Same thing. It's like we I didn't? don't think so. I think I saw it with Andrew first, and then we three went. We and might saw have it? seen it okay, after. Yeah, because yeah, that was the same one where it was like me, Stevie, and Lisa all were like, "This movie is perfection. It's so good." And um, I, I'd gotten it on 4K, and it's amazing on 4K. It's so, so good. And the fact that it's – I love that it's an all-female cast. I, I don't – like, I, I thought Oscar, Oscar Isaac was great. Yeah. But, like, the, the, the main – best my favorite parts in that movie are the bear, the um, – I mean, it's hard to say, the whole movie, because it's just like a descent into madness. Eventually people – you know, the, the grass starts growing out of, of uh, Tessa Thompson and – and we get to the alien bit, and that whole alien bit was just 
absolutely crazy like i got i was legitimately scared in the movie because the way they make the alien is so creepy and like the sound all the and sound the effects and the music oh, is crazy yeah oh it just and it just bubbles over into this just beautiful and it was a bummer too because that's an alex garland movie and he did ex machina and after seeing that movie i was just like this is based on a book but it's a trilogy of books and i was like man i hope we get the next one and the the crowds did not think that way and uh, the movie, did, I don't think it did great. I think it did enough, like at the box office, to go, you know, get a pat on the back. But I don't think it did well enough for for there to be a sequel, which is an, a very big shame. Because if any of you have not seen that movie, that would be one of my biggest recommendations too. Because we're we're nearing the top ten, so these are all movies that you gotta we're see. We're in the top. 10. We're in the top ten, right? So um, that was my number eight. But um, okay, so that was ten um, for me. Number nine. Are you? Yeah, you already said ten was. Cause you're, no, are was, we? Did we switch the order? Are you, no, no, no. So you just did your ten. I did you're ten. So you're ten. Mine was Rise of Skywalker. Okay. So, so do I go back to nine? Yep. yep you're number nine. Oh, nine. Wow. Terrence Malick again with Ooh, Knight of Cups. Knight of Cups. Uh, this is one that is probably barely holding that yellow on Metacritic at fifty-three. Yeah. But uh, man, this is sort of the culmination of Malick using his style impressionistically with no plot. Uh, this is another Natalie Portman movie. <laughs> hey, and speaking Briefly. of speaking of which, though, this is this in terms of what most people thought of this movie. I'm gonna pose a comment to Stevie because you don't like this movie, do you? Uh, no, I, it's fine. I think I give it a seven. I, I did okay. not like it, but I, I probably should rewatch it. But it was just, you know, some of his movies are they don't hit right with me. I, sure, I, but I still enjoy watching them because it's again, it's like just staring at a painting for a couple hours. But I'm gonna say something to you, and you can respond to me. This is what a lot of people thought about this movie. Honey, you're missing it. Natalie Portman's in this movie. Oh, I couldn't care less. <laughs> that was the uh, was actually a uh, two moviegoers in the theater with us. We saw it at a. It's one of the smaller theaters. We saw it at the Esquire. Yeah. And um, typically, those theaters a lot of older people go to them, and some of them talk during the movie. And yeah, the lady was just like, "Oh, I couldn't care less." And that's she a went lot to the of... bathroom during the movie. And her husband I, I could tell her husband dragged her they were probably in like their late 40s or probably like 50s yeah but she had gone to the bathroom because she wasn't having it at all and you she could tell she back, kept scoffing during the she movie she comes back and her husband's like honey look it's natalie portman and she's like oh i couldn't care less like full speaking <laughs> volume i'll never forget that so great so, so yeah awesome. i'm sure a lot of people listening to this have never seen a terrence malick movie uh don't start with this one uh you probably wouldn't like it i would recommend starting with one that i know is going to be a lot higher on the lists here Oh, yes. uh, but Knight of Cups is I really guess. cool. So the, basically the premise is Christian Bale is like a screenwriter in Hollywood, and it's just kind of following him trying to make sense of his life and different relationships that he has. And there's some good family stuff. It kind of it reminds me of, we'll get to Tree of Life, but it's a little bit uh, autobiographical in the sense that, you know, he's got a brother, and they have a brother who died, and that's sort of, the story for Terrence Malick a as well. A lot of his movies are like bits about his life. Basically. Yeah, I think that this one paired with like To the Wonder and Tree of Life are, I think that's sort of a semi-autobiographical trilogy. It was. Like, I think he talked trilogy. about it. I think I saw something about that on um, But really, really special movie. A lot of great, I mean, it, you can't argue with the cinematography at all because, no. again, this is a Emmanuel Lubezki Chivo movie. Um, just so many great Great shots, a lot of good nature stuff. This is honestly, I think it's his funniest movie because there's so many funny 
like Hollywood characters. You have like Nick Offerman at one point who's saying something about Call of Duty, like, "Oh, my Stra- life is like Call of Duty." Strawberries. He goes. He goes to this like Hollywood party. I think the host is uh, Antonio Banderas, and he says something about like, I, I, "I no longer like raspberry. I've been craving the taste of strawberries." <laughs> and uh, it's it's very very funny, in some parts, uh-huh. but overall it's just. I mean, it's it's a meditative movie. That's what a lot of these are, uh-huh. and. Christian Bale does a great job just kind of existing, not really acting. But. And that's your number. Okay, number nine. That's number so nine. My number nine is the second um, combination. It's the John Wick series. Oh, oh, you're doing a combo. Okay. Another combo because, again, I don't want to you know take up three spots, but I put John Wick 2 there because I'm pretty sure John Wick 2 is my favorite of the three. Okay. Um, but just that whole trilogy in general is is because um, all three of them came out during this decade. And those, I think, changed the game for me in terms of action movies. Obviously, like, I kind of had relegated myself to, like, if I wanted an action, a good action movie now, I'm going to go to, like, a superhero movie. There were just, you know, you had, I don't, there are not a lot of action movies where, like this. And then John Wick you came out. You got your Fast and Furious, yeah, Mission but Impossible. Again, not like this, where John Wick is killing person after person after person with the most perfectly precise shots all over a dog. It's so good. And then the second movie really dives into the art of it, of like, you know, the scenes where there's bright colors and, and different film strategies. And it just. And then the third movie as well kind of takes them overseas. And uh, each movie, you know. And the best part about it is the movies are directed by um, the stunt, the stunt double man. for John Keanu, for stunt Freak, man? Keanu right. Stuntman. So he knows how to direct and work with stunts. So the stunts in these movies are just. They're second to none. I can't think of another movie where there'd be as cool of stunts as these. Well, most would argue Mission Impossible no, for Tom no. Cruise. Because same but... thing. Those are cool stunts, but these ones are lived in. Like They're like hand-to-hand combat stunts right. versus like... And high body counts. <laughs> and high body counts. And each movie just is more and more high body counts, which is just... It's great. And I don't want to get too into the weeds with it, but it's just I love the John Wick movies. And um, and I've got them all. i got all three of them in 4K. Yeah. got the little... The little uh, no, the, I've got the little steel book from John Wick Three. That's it's it's the size got, of a coaster. It's the size of a coaster, and inside it, it has a continental a continental card, so I can get in the continental. That got me a digital copy for the movie, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, so that's my number nine is all three of those. Um, and I'll say too because I think Stevie's got a different. Oh no, we've got a we've got a, a, wait, wait, a wait, bump wait, number wait. eight or what. Uh... Did you want me to say anything about John Wick? Oh yeah, of I course. like the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll be fair. brief. I didn't like the first one that much. I just wasn't really sold on it, but then with the second and third, I I really got into it. Um, I think the second one might be my favorite too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd have to rewatch it, but the second the one's got like is that one have, that's the one with Common, right? Yeah, I love the second one. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in there. But yeah, Keanu Reeves is having there's you know it's the Keanu sense. No need to mention it, but he's having a great comeback. He really is, and I hope I I know they already confirmed a John Wick four, but I you know if they as long as the movies are different each time and the the fights get more and more insane, I you know make as many of these movies as you want. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go see them multiple times. Yeah. Okay, uh, number eight. Eight for me was Wolf of Wall Street, and eight for me was Annihilation. So okay. we're really getting close to so the end here, guys. Number, number seven. Seven for me is Inside Out. Ooh, is this on your list? Or no, not? Pixar movie. Look at you. Inside Out, the number one Pixar movie ever made. I will fight. I Interesting. Will fight See, I thought anyone. you would have been. Wally. I'll go John Wick on somebody for that. Whoa! One. All right. Um, no, Wall-E is incredible too. But Wall-E was made in two thousand nine. That's so Unfortunately, right. it's not on the list. Would it have been on this list? Yeah, it absolutely, okay. would have been on the list. Yeah. Inside Out is incredible though because uh, I'm sure you might have seen it, but it, the whole thing takes place inside someone's mind. Oh, I've seen it. 
Well, you have. I'm talking about the viewers. I'm talking to the viewers here. I'm sure you guys have seen it. I'm sure you have. Uh, but it's, I mean, what a novel concept. What a cool exploration of psychology at a level that kids can understand. Yeah. I think. So I hope. Cool. Um, the train of thought. The, yeah. And the fact that you, the five characters really are, you know, it's joy, disgust, anger, uh, sadness, and fear. Uh-huh. And they do, I mean, all those voice actors do a great job. And I mean, it's a mo- the basically the core theme of the movie is that it's okay to be sad. That's it's okay it. to not be joyful all the time. Like, yeah, sometimes things are going to be sad, and that's part of being a human being. And that's a crazy message that even adults don't get often in movies. I think no. Uh, but I was, you know, blown away by that. I'm a big fan of, you know, just good imagination and color stuff. And I, I don't know. I don't see Pixar ever topping that. I can't imagine them. You know, Onward. Like what's just kidding? <laughs> yeah, no, no chance of that. They really did. They, I don't know. I won't. I won't say they peaked, but that movie was. It was incredible. And, it's just and unreal. Same thing. You got your classic. Bring me to tears in a Pixar movie. Like right. it just. It really hits home for adults as much as it does for kids. Great message as well. Like you said, of just you know feeling your feelings, um, which is you know not necessarily what the Jedi would teach you, but. Um, I think that sometimes it's. it's a, I guess it's a Sith movie. Then. It it's must be a Sith movie. Well, you know, I, I take that as an absolute win. Well, because only the Sith deal in absolutes. That's well, okay. Now uh, we're going high level with this. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I I thought it was really great as well. It's not on my list, but I I recognize how great of a movie it is, and I, I did. I love that movie. It was, oh, yeah. and the and the animation. But and you don't even. It's funny. Pixar movies have gotten so good these days that like the animation isn't even a topic of discussion anymore because it's just a given that. If it's a Pixar movie, it's going to be beautiful. And sure. it works. Uh, my number seven, kind of like a Pixar movie, I guess, still Disney movie, uh, Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, so this, I loved this movie. There was a ton. And we're going to, I'm going to be, same with these. I will be diving into way greater detail in my final uh, Infinity Saga and Me. That's going to be phase three, part two. Hopefully do that next week. But um, yeah, I loved Infinity War. The lead up for that movie, like the preparation that I did and the just the, the execution of that film and comparing it and combining it with Avengers Endgame, uh, it really just plays as a... It's like it's such a fast-paced, run-and-gun movie and then Avengers Endgame is just immediately stops and is a, a slow-paced movie, yet they're basically back-to-back films by the same director, same writer. Like, they're... They're really a part one and part two, as they were supposed to be in the beginning. They were supposed to be Infinity War part one and two, and um, and then they changed it at the last minute because they wanted to make two separate movies. But um, it just I love that movie. The, the action scenes are some of the best in all of the Marvel movies, um, in terms of the team ups and the breakneck pace, and then the emotion is really tough too. I've not I've it's been rare that I've been to a movie where the ending is quite as arresting as the Avengers Infinity War ending of, you know, half the universe getting wiped out. But yeah, so I mean, I'm, I, uh, you guys are going to know my thoughts in way more detail. I'm more curious as to my brother's thoughts because he, the, I, when I go onto his IMDb oh every time to check his IMDb, there's a section there that says movies, <laughs> movies you've rated similarly, movies that Stevie rated higher, and movies Stevie rated lower. And Avengers: Infinity War always shows up on that rated lower section. Just to rub it in, I guess. I guess so. I don't have, a tr- I don't have any control over that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Infinity War is one of the Marvel movies that I genuinely don't like. Um, Alex will tell you that that's all of them. That's not true. I think a lot of them are fine, uh, but this one I genuinely didn't like because it felt to me like a Game of Thrones episode in the sense that 
We had too many characters and storylines, and you spent the entire movie just kind of bouncing between these different like character pairing mashups, whatever. And a lot of them didn't work. Like I thought, combining Thor and Star Lord was like lame, especially because we decided to make Thor suddenly a comedic character. So they're like fighting for who can be funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good I, point. I don't know. I it's, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to articulate the things i don't like about a movie um gotcha i if i had watched it recently i could give you more answers i remember after seeing it i had a bunch of technical questions for you about like why didn't they just do this you know how come they did this when this could have happened i know and none of them you had an answer for well man i wish you could have them now and i could try now i know but i don't remember but guess what i bet a lot of them were answered in avengers endgame no i don't think they were oh but um also, I know I feel like a lot of people say that this is one of the best simply because it's the first where characters die. It's the first where we have this big cliffhanger. A, I don't like cliffhangers. That's what I think makes TV bad. B, I don't think it's a real cliffhanger because we all know that they're coming back. Everybody knows that these characters, especially like Black Panther, these are people that just signed into the Marvel machine. They just got their contracts. There's no way they're going anywhere. So it's a pump fake. But that's why they broke it up into two movies. Is because it doesn't matter. This to me. movie, you can view this movie as one movie, and this or you movie, can just not view it at all. Right? That's my, okay, fine. That's, that's great. My but in a sense, what they for... did was this movie was a Thanos movie, and it was a, the main character was Thanos getting the stones and getting what he wanted, which was to snap out half of his existence. So the movie ends with him winning. If that were the case, then we'd spend more time just with Thanos, but we spend too you much spend time with all the other characters. You, every, almost every scene has something with Thanos, of him going to get a stone here, going to get a stone there. Or, I don't know. It's just, Ooh. the way you're describing it sounds very much like, oh, let's do this, 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 this. <laughs> and I I don't know. I could. Hey, I get, I get it. I, I haven't totally seen it, it in a long time, so I can't give like a very detailed explanation as to why I don't like it, but I just remember yeah, you're allowed to. being very non Oh, I remember when we got out of the theater, you were like, I didn't like this movie. Because yeah. you went and saw it. We went and saw it. Remember, it was you, me, Mom, and Dad. And we were in the front row in Castle Rock. Oh, uh, we weren't front row. Yeah, it was like the second to the front row or something on the corner edge. It was bad. It was really bad. No, no, no. I don't think we saw I don't think I saw it. You guys saw it without me. And then I saw it again with Mom, I think. Oh, or Mom and Dad. okay. Okay. But, yeah, was not a fan of that one. Well, I'm sorry. And, you know, we'll get to Endgame, I'm sure, and I did oh. like that one, but Infinity War is just a no-go for me. All right, so then next up is number six. Number six for me is the double. And for me, it's Blade Runner, so we already discussed Blade Runner, but so go ahead. So <coughs> the double is, this is a movie that I saw for the first time on Netflix. It's a Jesse Eisenberg movie directed by Richard Ayoade, I think yep. is how you say that. Um it's a very cool movie. I think it's a... Did you see that ludicrous display? It's a take on... I want to say it's a Dostoevsky thing. Or, you know, short story or novel or whatever. But the premise is that this guy, you know, he's just... One day at work, somebody comes in that's his exact double. But he's, like, charismatic and... Uh, in terms of personality, like, the complete opposite. Sort of the ideal of what he wishes he could be. And it's it's very funny it's uh it's very dark it's kind of you know couched in this whole dystopian sort of sci-fi world Mm -hmm. and you know the the score and the soundtrack is so good cinematography is so good it's a this is an under under underlooked underrated gem 
that I feel like, and I know you that. You guys hear it here, heard it here first. Actually, I did. I enjoyed the double too. I really liked it. Not on my list, but um, it might still be on Netflix. It's one of those that pops up on Netflix all the time. But I, I mean, I I've seen it probably like four or five times at this point, and every time I'm still impressed with it. Hmm. And it just great soundtrack. So so good. Yeah, Yeah. loved it. And that was your number six. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right, number five. I think we got the same here. I don't think so. You sure? What do you got? Drive. Yeah, drive. Nice! Cha-ching, baby! Drive! This is, um, what is this, Gosling number seven? Gosling seven? number six. This is a Goose's Gosling. It's a Goose's Dozen. It's a lot of Goslings. It's a lot of Ganders. Drive is very, very, very good. We just watched Drive a couple days ago, and it was even better than I remembered it was. It's so good, and yeah. it's got it's got some great surprises too. You got Oscar Isaac's is in it. Uh, Brian Cranston, I forgot was in it. I, I mean, and I, I've seen that movie a bunch of times, but yeah, uh, that's right. Ron Never Say No Perlman. Ron Never Say No Perlman. Yeah, and it's if you guys haven't seen Drive, you should definitely. That's the first movie that I ever. That's like one of the only movies that I remember the IGN review for it because they gave it a ten out of ten. They called it a masterpiece. And uh, I agree. It's a it's a just a beautifully made movie. Ryan Gosling has very little lines, but his body and his eyes and his wow, his twitches, body, okay. yeah, all of that tells a story. It's he's it's a great physical. He's great for doing physical acting in this one. It's just it's the, the this uh, is the ref and masterpiece. This is yes, pretty much undisputably because most of his movies are polarizing, even mm-hmm. like Neon Demon, but uh, and Neon Demon's got Keanu Reeves in a great role. As the motel guy. You remember that? Oh, yeah. But uh, Drive is insane. Uh, it's it's hard to explain what genre it is. It's like, it's a romance. It's a bit of a heist yeah. movie. It's a bit of a horror movie. Yeah. There's a lot it's, of different things it's, going it's on. It's what it, you know what it is? It's a Rifen movie, though. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, you can't, you don't know what to expect. A really, really great score and soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Cliff Martinez on the score and great cinematography too. Some oh yeah, really great cinematography in this. That uh, elevator scene is like maybe oh, top man. ten of the slow mo elevator. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> great violence too. Great violence. Rifen knows his violence. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Yeah, we're in the top five now, and and I think barring maybe one movie, I think we're probably gonna have the exact same top five. So number five was Drive. Number four, Inception. Inception. Oh boy, here we go. Nice, Incepted. Where do you start? Where do you begin? Where do you end? Uh, That's the whole point of the movie, though, right? I think. Look, I guarantee you, you've all seen Inception. If you haven't, you should. And we all know know, it doesn't matter. Um, The cinematography is amazing. The story is intricate and beautiful the scenes are crazy the dream within the dream within the dream is great but what we need to discuss is does that top fall over at the end uh i don't think it does or i think no i think it does i think we see a big wobble and then he cuts but what a brilliant it does i'll never forget before this movie even came out Yep. This is my claim to fame. Okay. okay. I, this was 2010. I was in high school. I remember seeing trailers for this, seeing cities bend on themselves and everything exploding at the market. And I kept telling people, oh, man, have you seen the trailer for Inception? This movie's going to be nuts. I, everybody, I was like, oh, have you seen this trailer? Oh, are you looking forward to this movie? And nobody knew anything about it. And I was like, great. Screw everybody. I'm going to go see Inception when that comes out. We went and saw it together. And we did. And what did I know? Oops, it was I knew it too. I just I wasn't I wasn't a promoter like you were, but I was it was huge and it I would say I can say with confidence. This is I would I think it's the most polished 
and most entertaining heist movie, period. Oh, yeah, no question about that. No question about that. Of the decade, that. of course, but I would argue period ever. ever. Yeah. That's Obviously, that's an opinion, but I just... Man, it's so it's so fun, and it's so it's so daring for Christopher Nolan to be like, I'm going to make this big box office movie. It's a heist movie, but it's also about dreams and all this stuff that it's just... no one really cares to pay attention to a lot of the time. Ken Watanabe... He's great. Marion Cotillard, yep. Cotillard, yeah. Um, um, I think I read somewhere Joe Gore. Joe that Gordon, it. it was confirmed that the top does drop. There's no but the point, There's no confirmation. The, but the point, point of it, the, the point cut. of it is he sees his kid's well, face. Who confirmed that? He, it was like, you have read that? It was, what's it? I'm going to look That's it up. BS. It, was, it was like Christopher Nolan There's or something. There's no way. It wasn't Christopher Nolan. It might have been Michael Michael Caine. But um, he sees his kid's faces. Right, and remember it was That's like... That's what I always said. Right, he's Because he couldn't see that in his dreams because he never, you know, he didn't make it that far. He didn't ever want to see it, right, exactly. So either that or he's gone he's the, so deep Well, it wasn't the dreams, dreams, it was memories. It was the memories of him seeing his kid when he went home. Because remember, that was his elevator thing where he kept, he kept all these memories right. in his subconscious. And the one of his kids, he never got to see their faces because he left before they turned around. Right. Because he had to leave for the job or whatever. Right. Um, and then at the end, he does see their faces. So but, I, that was mine, and obviously that's just for like head cannon of I don't want to lose my mind. Like I need him to, <laughs> I need the top to fall. Okay, all right. Uh, number three. Number three for me oh, is yeah. Moonlight. Moonlight. Okay, that's where our difference is going to be. Then is the Moonlight versus what I have at number one because that means we're one off. My number three, and we'll go to your number two. Right. Interstellar, right? Yep. Interstellar. Okay. Oh mama. Oh mama. And I'll I'll say that's don't let a, me leave, Marv. Stay, Merv, stay! You you fucking coward. <laughs> I get you get one swear word in the podcast. It's like the R ratings. This is yeah, exactly. You well, get it's a PG thirteen. This is PG thirteen. So, that's yeah. right. And we, I'm glad we saved it for the two hour fifty five mark. There you go. Um, but yeah, there's just not enough to. I mean, there's not. It's the same with Inception. Like you just, you know why this movie is number three or number three, number two on our list. You know why this movie is incredible. It's nonstop. It's 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 just. It's the space movie you've always wanted, but it's also got that transcendence that Christopher Nolan brings to his movies of the time travel bit and the going to the far reaches of space, being on that planet that was all water, tars, running around like an animal, the Matt Damon reveal. Jessica Chastain was so good. Jessica Chastain was phenomenal. I have a film cell with... uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, so this is actually a funny story. So we we all had gotten the... uh, the Target steelbooks of, um, uh, of of Interstellar, and uh, the the special edition steelbook came with a Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, three discs, plus a film cell from the film. And so, Steve, it was like it's a crapshoot. You didn't know what you were gonna get. Right. So, what was it? We both bought one, and then didn't you buy so one? We got for, one for Joey. You too. bought one for Stevie's. Like, I want to buy one for Joey just in case, you know, whatever. So, Stevie, what was yours? Well, I'll go last. Okay. You go with yours first. Okay, so mine was the scene with uh, the main guy and Matt Damon. Yeah, right? it was Matthew McConaughey and Matt Damon on, walking on, on the ice planet. Right. Really great ice. shot. Great shot. IMAX. Huge. It's the it's the biggest twist of the movie. Matt Damon. Huge scene. Probably yeah, sell that on eBay. Scene. A couple million. Joey's was not great. Joey had a shot of the uh, principal of the school, David Oyelowo at his desk. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so kind of. I've waited. Okay. Years. Not great shot. No, that's not him. But mine was a shot of Matthew McConaughey sort of waking up from his initial dream at the beginning of the movie, and the the cell itself is like ninety five percent pure black. 
<laughs> you can hardly see his face, even if you hold it up to the light. Uh, even if you hold it up real hard, it's almost—it's a nightmare. It's almost—it's a nightmare that I got that cell, but that's just uh, crazy. It doesn't matter because the movie's so good. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I think Hans Zimmer's best score. Oh, the scores and the story behind how they made it is crazy. So, for the most part, when you make movies, uh, what they'll tell you is they use sort of filler music as they're making it, and then they have the cinematographer go back and sort of rescore all the scenes where the mm-hmm. music is. With this one, before he shot anything, Christopher Nolan wrote like a page about the movie and gave it to Hans Zimmer. He said, "Like, can you make some music to fit this kind of story?" With no scene of any kind. Wow. It was just like, here's this writing about, yeah. you know, it's about a son, or about a daughter and her dad going off to space, blah, blah, blah. And Hans Zimmer came out with this kind of stuff. It's unbelievable. That's so cool. And you got that cool box set of the soundtrack, too, though. Yeah. The, like, cool it lights up the... with little stars and stuff. <laughs> we Very are cool. made of star stuff. Yeah, Interstellar is just hands down. I mean, I, I hate in terms of this decade, it's the best space movie. Yep. Uh, best space movie of the decade. Well, uh, I don't think you agree with that, do you? Because your number one is kind of a space movie, isn't it? No, not really. I don't think any of it takes place in space. Really? No. A lot of different planets involved, huh? No. Yeah? No. They go to another planet. One of the teams goes into space. Okay, okay. We're going to get to it. Okay, guys, you already know that's going to be. <laughs> All right. Number two, The Tree of Life. Oh, my God. Previously my number one. Mother, father. Mother. Always you wrestle inside me. Oh, my. Okay. Tree of Life, Terrence Malick's best movie in both of our eyes. Um, just a incredible ride. If you guys are true, you know, really want, look at me. If you guys are true film buffs, you can be whatever kind of film buff you want to be. All I'm saying is if, if you, you want to truly, this, you can't be a film buff and you should uh, go, you, you go, no, what I'm saying is if you haven't room. seen it, it is a criterion movie now. And the criterion version has the theatrical cut, but it also has a extended director's cut that Malik put together himself that is like an extra 45 minutes. And this movie is two hours and 19 minutes long, but it, it ends up being almost three hours, It's which is just about as long as this podcast, uh, which is funny because my number one movie is also about three hours. So um, this movie is just hands down one of the best movies of all time in my eyes. It is the perfect encapsulation of, of at least for me, growing up um, and growing up the way that we grew up, but also of like... It's honestly, it's really hard to describe without showing it because Tree of Life is essentially the story of the creation of the universe up until the end of this guy's life, basically, which is nuts because parts of the movie are about the cosmos exploding and birthing stars and planets and, um, you know, kind of weaving through different nebulas and suddenly you're in a planet and there's this that and the other and then there's dinosaurs and then now you're in texas and you're growing up with these three boys and their mom and dad played by jessica chastain and brad pitt the kids are one of the kids is actually what's his face ty sheridan Sheridan, a young ty sheridan and um yeah and it's literally just a movie about them kind of growing up in the duality of them having a very strict and distant father and a very uh kind and loving mother and them just you know trying to figure their lives out as they're in that age it uh it's just a really uh, i mean it's 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 really hard to talk about because it's like there's not it's the same thing where it's like it's not a plot heavy movie but there's still that just kind of a lingering plot it's impressionistic yeah it's very impressionistic so yeah go Um, ahead 
It's another Brad Pitt movie. Another Brad Pitt. That's right. um, another Jessica, another Jessica two, Chastain. Two Jessica Chastain movies back to back. Love Jessica Chastain in this. Um, man, it's the best movie ever made. I don't care what Alex. Alex has got a different movie in front of it. Let me. Let I'm me, hurt. Look, I'm telling you this. I, I will agree with you that it is the best <laughs> movie ever made. But this list is my favorite Understood. movie. Understood. And obviously, no one can really say what for sure is the best movie ever made. Right, but, but it is incredible. Every time I watch this movie, I feel like no other movie should exist. I know. I feel I the feel same like way. I feel like it's the only movie that could ever be worthy of watching. Like, everything else feels like filth compared to Tree of Life. It, it's, it's so pure. It's, I mean, it's insanely cinematic. It's so, I, it's beyond description in so many ways. Um, the fact that we have an extended cut of it too is ridiculous because that's two movies. It it I almost movies. wish that every time I watched it, it got longer. I know, like as if you're you know remembering something, and each time you think back, you remember another piece. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say. I've seen it probably like five or six times, and I've probably seen it right around that exact same. And I watched the extended cut too, and I don't even remember what was part of it. I remember extended scenes of stuff at the zoo. I remember wow. Jessica Chastain's brother coming. It was new. It's just fascinating to me because it just blends in as a one movie, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can't tell what's from the original or, or not. It's yeah. just it's it really is. It's a masterpiece. I mean, we're it. talking. This is the number one movie of the decade for me, but it's the number one movie ever, also for me. And I will I will say I this as well. Dear. Technically, my top two fifty list it is the number one movie for me uh, as well of all of all time. Tree of Life. It uh, same uh, Terrence Malick, Emmanuel Lubitsky, and um, just a, a cavalcade. Well, actually, there isn't a cavalcade of actors in this, but you've got Sean Penn is in it as well. Right. He's the son, all grown up. And again, it's a it's a if you haven't ever seen a Terrence Malick movie, this would be the one I would recommend, and I'm sure Stevie would as well. Yeah, and, or and maybe just, start with this like Badlands too, but that's not really going to prepare you for this. Yeah, nothing is going to prepare you for this. I mean, the only thing that could prepare you for this movie is if you were able to watch Voyage of Time, but uh, that movie technically doesn't exist right now. And Voyage of Time is a Terrence Malick movie that he made that's basically like the creation of the universe, but that's all it is. And it, it premiered and played in a lot of... Uh, um, nature and science museums uh, and it had three different versions it has a it's an hour and a half long version that's narrated it's just narrated by Kate Blanchett and then um, a 45 minute version that's narrated by Brad Pitt and that's the version that played in the nature and science museums but then Stevie and I were actually lucky enough to watch a special edition in theaters that wasn't narrated at all and was just the score same 45 minute one and it was the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my life better than tree of life but um what a world we live in it's just seen we've gotten to see that movie in theaters as well as a number of other malik movies it's just yeah it's hands down i would say terrence mal and like i said there's a lot of terrence malik movies that aren't my cup of tea but just acknowledging what an amazing person he is in terms of his style and skill and what he's trying to accomplish a lot you know when you get into like you know, heady art, like art house film stuff. You know, there's great directors from all around the world. You know, any given country, you can point to like two or three that are like the best of, you know, like the art scene. You know, you have like Fellini or, you know, Tarkovsky, Kurosawa, all these different people. And it's like, what American filmmakers are held to that high regard? And it's like not even, you know, I don't think Nolan or Tarantino or even Scorsese fit into that art house <clears throat> discussion. It's like, I think it would be Altman, 
I think it would be, um, I was able to come up with another the other day, but it's Terrence Malick, and he's still alive, and he's still making movies, and there's one in theaters right now that he made. The Hidden Life, A Hidden Life. It's just crazy. It's Terrence so cool. Malick is old, but not only is he old, but he has very little photographs of him. You can't really find a photograph of him. He does not like getting his photo taken. But there's also some really great interviews that you can find of the actors, especially like if the special features on Tree of Life of them talking about working with Malik and yeah, any just, special feature, it's just them talking about. Oh, Terry's so funny. He's so strong. He like he loves to <laughs> run around and play. It's like he's just like a mythical being. He is really. He's a unicorn. He's a he's a Greek god. Uh, Altman. Who's Altman? Robert Altman did what? He did like uh, Nashville, uh, Shortcuts, a lot, a lot of Criterion movies. The other one I think would fit in that Never sort of, of art house category would be John Cassavetes, who's the actor in Rosemary's Baby, who plays Guy Woodhouse, but he directed like um, yeah, Killing of a Chinese Bookie and Woman Under the Influence, and he has this whole sort of you hmm. know influence on art film too. I just it's there's very few American directors that fit into that category. Yeah, I agree. And they all kind of came about in that new Hollywood era of the '70s, mm-hmm. Malick included. With, That's uh, true. Yeah, Badlands and Days of Heaven. Badlands, Days of Heaven, and um, and the list goes on and on. Um, so now we've come to the time that I think is probably going to be toughest for my brother. But my number one movie, my favorite movie of the decade, and again, I want to stress this because um, I, I think it's important to do so for everybody. But uh, Avengers Endgame, I saw seven times in theaters, <laughs> and uh, I saw it, and, and it is a lot. I saw it with. You, Harry, Matt, and his girlfriend opening night. And then I saw it with Ben the following day. And then I saw it with Lisa the following day. And then I saw it with Mom. And then I saw it with Joey. And then I watched it with David Rosen from the Discord. And then I think I went and saw it by myself. Wait, was that... I wasn't counting. I feel like there's one other one that I I went with. Whatever it was, I just... I've never seen a movie that many times in theaters before. And when I think about that movie and I compare it to the Tria Life, Inception, Interstellar, it's really hard to compare it. And I stand by still thinking that Tree of Life is the greatest movie of all time. I, I will argue with anyone about that. But I also think Avengers Endgame is one of the greatest movies of all time, just the same way that I think that Interstellar is. So, again, that's why I hate these lists, because these movies can kind of be very nebulous and move to being number one or number two. I don't like having – and that's what it's like, oh, what's your favorite movie of all time? I, the correct answer for that is, well, man, that's too heavy of a question. Like that – it should be like, what are a couple movies you like right now? And so right now, I love Avengers Endgame. I absolutely love this movie. Um, it did everything that I wanted it to do in terms of being a three-hour movie, which is something I would have never expected a comic book movie to do, but was waiting for. Um, it became the number one movie of all time, which I was also expecting, but uh, didn't think it was going to make it at one point, and then it did. And uh, it was the perfect culmination of all of the Marvel movies, the, the cap of all 22 films that came before it. Uh, the movie as well, like I said, it's it's three hours long, but there's no action until the final hour of the movie. So there's two hours of you just watching people sulk around on screen, which is insane to me that it made this much money and people went into a theater and spent two hours mourning with the Avengers. That's not true. It's sort of there's true. There's a lot of action before that. What? Them going back to get the stone. And, and I'll preface it with this. There are two quote-unquote action beats in this movie, which are Captain America fighting Captain America and uh, Black Widow fighting Hawkeye. 
to sacrifice themselves. But action There's isn't no... just fighting. What else is action though? I mean, that I mean, fights whole, in terms that of whole trying to get the stone from Loki, right? Because there's not just the fight between the two of them; it's the whole thing with yeah. If I'm to get it, that's more of suspense than action. I'm talking about like fights. Yeah, but okay. Well, there's compared to Infinity War, which was a nonstop war the entire movie that's of just why fighting I liked and fighting. It less because right, and it makes sense, and that's why I think it's crazy that it was the it's just a back to back. I haven't seen back to back movies like that. And since Harry Potter of the the final two movies of, of Harry Potter in terms of, but this is two very different movies and Avengers Endgame just took yeah, one took good the one not good yeah right exactly <laughs> well and that's what was so surprising to me and well probably one of the, another reason why I love it so much is I get out of that movie and Steve looks at me and he says this is my favorite Marvel movie and I was like wow awesome like that's great because I was really nervous that you weren't gonna like it I stand by that I think um, yeah I really enjoyed the fact that it seemingly ties everything up though. I'm hearing from Alex and everywhere else on the internet that Marvel did not go out of business. They didn't shutter their doors. Oh I was really hoping that it would truly be an end to the era, but it won't because they can still continue to make money. But I thank them for not having some really bad uh, tacked on after credit scene. Alex will tell you all day that every time I see one of those, they like drop my rating of the movie a whole point because they all... <laughs> Just remind me that whatever happened here doesn't quite matter because we've got more to deal with later. I know, and it's uh, so... I, I love, honestly love the dynamic we have in terms of these movies because I really think your opinions keep me in check in that regard because I just... I Everything that you don't like about it is why I love it. And which it, is interesting. It's, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy? It's just so crazy that two minds coming from the same womb like are thinking two different <laughs> we things. Aren't twi- we aren't twins. We're not twins, We're but the we, share, we share blood. We're like the Palpatines. I guess, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that movie just... And then, so, I mean, at the end of the day, the score is phenomenal. Another Natalie Portman movie, by the way. Another <laughs> Natalie Portman movie. Thank you. Uh, it's also, I was going to say, it's another Brad Pitt movie. We're waiting for Brad... Hey, Angelina Jolie's in Marvel now, so maybe Brad Pitt will join in. Well, who is she? She's got Athena in the new Eternals movie. Okay. Uh, okay, it's directed by Chloe Zhao. It should be enough for you to Good for get her, in. I guess. Kumail Nanjiani is in it. I uh, was reading something where someone was like... Oh, you know, you should give everybody like give Bong Joon Ho an opportunity to make a Marvel movie, and it's like that's the dumbest thing. That's the dumbest say. thing in the world. And Chloe Zhao wanted to make a Marvel movie, yeah. so like let her by all means. But it's not just like oh, no. great job on your indie <laughs> movie, son. Here's your big payday. Here's your big payday. That's no. what it feels like. That's a not lot of the time, no. But. They uh, they basically actually was I was listening to a po- I listened to a lot of like Kevin Feige stuff, and he was talking about like what their process is, and basically. They have some ideas. No! <laughs> Stevie is making a butter churning motion. Yeah. Uh, no, he said they call, they have like, they're in a room or whatever and they come up with like, what's the next idea or kind of what they want to think about. They have a couple notes on that and then there's directors who want to work at the movie and they send them that and say, come up with a script, come up, you know, come up with your own ideas of what you could maybe take with this. That's kind of interesting. It's really interesting. Like and that. then And so it's like they're, they have an idea in their head of where they want the movie to go, but then they let the director I feel like of, that's, maybe Star Wars could have done that in terms of having George Lucas sit down and write ideas and be like, well, that was, find a director. That was one of the biggest complaints that I don't think uh, is wrong was that there was no real direction in these three movies. And it's true that they really didn't have an overarching plot. Right. But that's the beauty of Avengers Endgame as it did. And that final scene, when the portal song comes on and all of the heroes walk through the th- through the portals what portal song dum 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 
the the to the giant fight of oh, everyone's that's swing. not the final scene. Of the no, movie. it's not the final okay. scene, but it's just that you. When have you ever seen something like that before? And you can't say ever because <laughs> you have. That's all of the Avengers. Every single character that has ever been in a Marvel movie is in that scene. I'm not. I'm just not impressed by that. Like it's cool, but you're like Shania Twain. It's just a yeah. That don't impress me much. <laughs> but listen, my problem with the Avengers previously is the fact that they have too many characters and it stretches the narrative. They did a good job here because, thank God, a lot of people, quote-unquote, died because it tightened the narrative and it forced... Well, they didn't die. They got snapped out of existence. Okay, well... So they never existed. All right. Technicality. No, they did exist because otherwise no one would remember. Well, they're, they're, they're dead, but then they, they come back died. to life. They, were they come back into existence. Understood. The point Stevie, remains, I'm about to do this. They died. I'm Trump. All these people died, and it helped because less you know, characters. less characters, and everybody comes back for the fight. That's fine. I'm glad. It, I mean, they were there to fight. That makes sense. I wasn't like, I understand that that was a big stand up and cheer moment for folks. Yeah. I think the uh, if I had to pick between that and the Captain America hammer scene, that one wins. The hammer scene. Captain America. With oh, the that, that's a great scene. Oh my, that was my favorite scene in the movie. I do think, and this is it's a larger problem, not just with Marvel, but like blockbusters in general. They kind of build time into the movie for audiences' reactions. And you notice it in Endgame, especially if you watch it at home, that like some of these scenes linger a bit longer than they need to. Like Captain America getting the hammer because he holds it, and then he like turns and kind of holds the pose. You know, it's and it's funny. like an opportunity Guys, for Guys, I want to point something out right here. Stevie's calling out a what, what you could probably count as being maybe a second or two of, of That's extra. That's noticeable. Terrence Malick, when he is focused on a person yeah, in that movie, like, they are you can get a shot on somebody looking around for like a minute. No, he has quicker cuts. Tarkovsky would be a great. But I'm saying that's that. the same thing. They're doing it's it. They're doing no, no, no. it before it's Marvel. Oh, okay, it's, it's designed different. for the theater. I guess. And I'm not. I'm not saying it's just Marvel, but I noticed this with one of the other ones. What was that scene where they were at like a Marvel party? Where they're all like trying to play with the hammer. Which, right, right. Which that movie was in was Ultron? That? Okay, yeah. in Ultron, I noticed it because we when I saw it, the theater wasn't full, so there were some of these scenes where they had jokes and it was like a pause after each joke because you know the audience is going to be laughing, but when there's not that much of an audience, you hear the pause. Hmm. Okay. Well, and I'm saying that just because I I want to maintain my high rating of Endgame, and if I were to watch it. At home viewing, I think I would notice more of those pauses, and it would reduce. Though there's the also for me. there's quite. I don't know if it's less comedy, but I think the comedy holds up better in that movie than. In I other think there's films. less. Oh, and also the opening scene is the best scene of any Marvel movie, I'd say. And you're referring to the Hawkeye scene. Yep. Yep. Great way to open up a movie. That was devastating, and he did a good job, Jeremy Renner. So that is our list, and I think I think in terms of some final thoughts, because I certainly don't. You know, we don't need Avengers sugar plums dancing in your guys's heads, or certainly. Love to have a little tree of life in your life, but um, I, hopefully you guys have seen throughout all fifty of these movies that we had that there are just there's so many great films out there, and so many different films out there. So there's there's something for everybody, and I sound like we're like introducing people to film for the first time. We're certainly not, but <laughs> hey, it's just, if we are, that'd it's, be great. If we are, hey hey, you know, shoot us a shoot us a message and let us know. Hey, you know, we we just watched I just watched this movie and loved it. We would love to. No, that would be probably one of the greatest achievements of our lives is introducing somebody to something that they love for the first time. That's really special. So hopefully a couple of these were films that you haven't seen and can maybe fall in love with someday. Hopefully a lot of these are films you've already seen and love them as much as we do. If you haven't seen one and you end up watching it based on our recommendations, why don't you let us know? Because that would be really funny if you like 
if you watch like only god forgives like come yell at me on twitter like yeah please like, like this <laughs> shout out to us and let us know like wow you, you're psychotic why do you think trio life is that good like please because hey we'll fight you on that one for sure there's no fighting for uh only god forgives though you know we we totally understand if you don't right. like that movie but but yeah so stevie any final thoughts on this decade of films great movies uh <laughs> i love i love movies i'd say rest in peace to uh roger ebert because Ooh, okay he uh he died in I think 2013 maybe. Um, the last movie he added to his top ten of all time was Tree of Life. Wow! And I think the last review he ever wrote was to the Wonder. But um, Malik fan. Every now and then, when I see a really good movie, I'm like, man, wish Roger Ebert could see this. You know, that's and a really good point. I feel that with Tree of Life, Avengers Endgame. Anybody who's like not seen Tree of Life, I'm like, man. If you if you're gonna die and have never seen that, that sucks. That's actually a serious recommendation. I would say, if out of any of these movies, if you have not seen Tree of Life, you should definitely see that movie before you die. But by all means, go through our list if you can or if you want to, and try watching these movies because I mean, I think they're they're all important. Obviously, a great decade. I'm not one of these people. There's a lot of people out there that will, you know, refuse to rate new stuff as highly as old stuff. But I mean, Alex and I both we give out tens every year. Like, mm-hmm. There's always great movies being made. You just got to find them. And hopefully we have given you some to watch that you haven't seen. Yep. And so with that said, guys, we are going to wrap this up. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. And uh, this has been my guest too, Stevie. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you at the movies.